0: Greyhound to Trap 1. Over. Trap 1. Go ahead, Greyhound.
1: Over. Thank you very much for downloading the Trap 1 podcast. I'm Mark Ogmanis. I'm delighted to welcome my co-host this week. It's Times Champion author, Chris McKeon. Hi, Chris. Hi, Mark. Good to see you again. Good to see you. Uh, So how are you enjoying Series series 11 so far? Uh,
2: You know, I... How, I'll ask you this, how honest do you want me to be?
1: I'm completely honest.
2: Absolute honesty is that, you know, I, I, I'm treating, I didn't necessarily treat it this way when I, when the series started. I won't try to ramble too much about this, but to give you a sense, a few years ago when Star Trek was rebooted under the J.J. You know, Abrams films,
1: Yeah.
2: I was very excited. And I, uh, and I went to those, into those films saying that Star Trek needed new blood, it needed uh, a new vision, and I, and I knew it was a different timeline, but I could accept that as different and separate to the original mm-hmm. series, the original forms, which had all remarkably had been pretty much under a fairly unified vision, Gene Roddenberry and then people like Rick Berman and such. And so, for example, if you went at a time travel Star Trek episode, in maybe Deep Space Nine or something Voyager, if you went back to the Enterprise, it looked like the original Enterprise. They used the blueprints and everything. Mm-hmm. Same thing with things like Star Trek Continues. If you've heard of those uh, uh, sci-fi series that were fan-made, continuing the original series.
1: I, I don't know much about Star Trek, I'm afraid, but I'll uh, I'll tell you what for it.
2: Oh, maybe hopefully you. Yeah. Well, it's it's fan fan people by name Vic, Vic Vic Mcnona, mm-hmm. um, just to a voice actor in a lot of anime were doing Star Trek episodes, Mm -hmm. but they were very, very, very professionally done using the blueprints and everything of the original sets. Um, And I mentioned that simply to say there was an an ethos to make it like it was. Mm -hmm. Visually, at least, and and tonally. But these Star Trek movies under J.J. Abrams, I felt, okay, they can make whatever style they want. and, And I will accept that because it needs to be new and I think it'll be very exciting. Well, when I watched the first episode of that first film, it was undefinable why, but I, I fairly quickly felt underwhelmed and felt not very uh, pleased with it. I thought it was very well made. I maybe it was the humor. It, it felt like even in a respectful way, every, a lot of things in Stratford were being parodied. Mm. Maybe, and I'm, 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 sure, I, I'm sure that the original, that those actors and the, those writers were trying to be respectful, and I, I think they were. But it, but it ha- there was so much of that humor. This is funny. Oh, that thing's funny. Oh, that original thing's funny. That I thought. There was that. I didn't like that so much. I didn't like the villain. didn't like the story. It was incomprehensible in certain ways. Or at least I, I could figure it out, but I didn't know why the main villain was causing trouble. Mm-hmm. I did, but then why some of the other things he did, I, I couldn't understand. Um, and then it just got worse. The second film, Star Trek Into Darkness, was... I can't even now I, – I, I can tell you maybe in a nutshell what the first film was about that, of those series. I can't really tell you what the second film was but I can't very easily say, oh, this is a synopsis because it was all mm-hmm. over the place. It felt like two or three movies in one, and it changed the character of Khan. Now, this is Star Trek. We're talking about Doctor Who, but then the third film, Star Trek Beyond, I just felt was very – less off- oh, offensive, but less irritating than the others, but not very exciting. Mm-hmm. And I felt that way also about Star, Star Wars, the, the sequels trilogy. I went into it thinking, we need something new. And funny enough, J.J. Abrams again. I went into it thinking, you need something new. I'm excited. And then I felt underwhelmed by episode seven because although there were a lot of fun callbacks to episode four, there were probably, and I think there's a general consensus amongst critics criticism about that episode, um, The Force Awakens, that it was too much. It felt like you could map episode four and episode seven. Um, <clears throat> and then, but even so, I, I felt that Episode seven undid the – I love the prequels, but I understand people have problems with the prequel Star Wars. But the original trilogy, people tend to really, really love. Mm-hmm. Uh, general consensus was it, it undoes all the sacrifice and heartache and then triumph of things like the original trilogy, especially Return of the Jedi. We could go into that. If this this for a Star Wars podcast, we could get into it. But the point is that I felt I couldn't understand what the story was. Mm-hmm. I can understand what the story was, but why? What was the ethos, the ethical nature of why are they taking this storyline? Undoing everything. And then mm-hmm. episode 8 I had Ma- I massive trouble with episode 7 and Last Jedi I really didn't like also. And then, why do I mention that? It's not just me, but fandom. Episode 7 kind of divided the fandom. And also, like let's just say the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek film kind of divided the fandom. The second film, Last Jedi Into Darkness, Last Jedi for Star Wars, Star Trek Into Darkness for the new Star Trek just div- you know, um, polarized and d- that division, almost in a way destroyed the fandom or broke it apart completely. Third film for the Star Trek. There's an upcoming third film, Episode Nine for Star Wars. Let, what it did in both cases is that it, it drained the energy, the enthusiasm for this change. So that when Star Trek Beyond came along, it pretty much failed—not failed, but did very poorly, fairly poorly—at the box office and no one is excited about episode... Well, I'm sure people are, but there's a general what I'm seeing on um, amongst fandom, because I like Star Wars and Star Trek as well. Love mm-hmm. them a, a lot. It's not much enthusiasm for episode nine. My best friend, after seeing The Last Jedi, said, what's left to be excited about for episode nine? Luke is... Han is dead. Luke is dead. They back the wrong horse with Leia, because Carrie Fisher is sadly dead, and the Republic's gone. You have... Luke's likes it, so the point is, what's left? Well, Kylo, Kylo, and Ren and Ray will fight, and probably Ray wins, and that's it. Maybe battles, but what do you expect? Now we come to Doctor Who. I came into this series. Um, I was very, when I found out that they changed, they were going to change the gender of the Doctor. I wasn't surprised, because even when they when they changed the gender of the Masters, Missy even long before they kind of have you know, stated that this was the intention, I, I fairly quickly thought, okay, the next Doctor is going to be a woman. Because there's no narrative reason that the Master will be a woman if you look at the character of the Master. Again, I, this might be annoying to some people, but I think that I go back to Edward Brayshaw in the War Games. How does he treat Zoe? He grabs her roughly when she's being interrogated by the face. How does Delgado treat Chin Li in, in the mind of you? When she's saying, no, don't... Uh, don't make me do these terrible things. And he just roughly grabs her face. He's disdainful to women. He uses them. How he treats the the queen and um, the time monster. He 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 seduces her and all that stuff. But then he rejects. He he forgets her because he does. He's not in love with her. Mm-hmm. Even as far ahead as um, or how he treats Perry in Plan to you know, Get away from me, girl. Or or Marco Mar- 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 the Ronnie, Or probably also the Hollows of Time for the audios. Um, how he uses Ace. How he ki- um, kills Grace Holloway in the telefilm, which I call Grace, funny enough. How he, um, Chantho, in Utopia, calls her a girl. you know, With that, dis- that disgust, that killed by an insect, a girl, he says. You know, it's not like, oh, it's a woman, it's like a girl. It's a, it's beneath him that a woman is, is getting rid of him. How he treats Lucy Saxon. There is no loyalty to women. There is a disdainful. it's not a hatred like a hatred, it's just, a, they're nothing to him. I could see no narrative reason why the master, who I think can change, you know control the three generations, because we saw that in Utopia. It implies in Utopia that he can be young and strong. So I thought, why would the master become a woman? I see no narrative reason. So since there was no narrative reason given at the time, I thought to myself, we'll see where the character goes, Missy. But I think the reason why they're doing this, is because they're prepping, because I'd already mentioned the Corsair a few a couple years earlier, is possibly changing regenerations. Hmm. My thought was, Missy, we'll see how she is. But I think they're doing it because they're prepping the audience for a female doctor, which they've since revealed see a moth and others that that is what, what it was to a certain extent. I have to then mention what I think about Missy, I think, because it, it certainly colors my view of what a female doctor was, or the idea of that. A female master to me. Since this was in a private conversation, I won't say who it was. But um, one of the Doctor Who authors that I know, um, he and I discussed that. You know, right when it happened, and it you know it seemed to be after Series Eight. I'll ask him what he thinks Series Nine because he knows about the Master quite a bit. This particular author, and um, and I asked him what he thought about the Master as Missy, and he said. After series eight, he said, "Well, it's what they want to do, and I, I think that she, it's a good act. She's a good actress. I'm a little disappointed that they're not going with a, a more suave, urbane version of the master, like Roger Elgato. But it was their choice, because it's not Roger Elgato." After series nine, I asked him, "What do you? at th- well, the beginning, what do you think of, the, of Missy now?" And he said, "I think she's still a great actress, good foil for Capaldi. Although in that case, series nine, she was more with." Clara, Jenna mm-hmm. Coleman, but then he said something I thought was very interesting. They've got to move very quickly and expand her character, because at this point she's very one note. She's just a co- she's she's a great actress before, but she's just a kooky, nutty woman that's not really killing anybody. She's more like I'm crazy. Be scared of me. But she's not doing too much that's scary. She's she might be on that edge, but she she's not going after the doctor like she has before. She seems to be more. I want you to be my friend again. Mm-hmm. Some people, a lot of people that might be very balanced, critical against, well, not for or against, but just of Missy, have said that great character, and I felt wonderfully portrayed, but the, the ethos and the basis of the character is now totally different. She's not trying to kill the Doctor, or there's an occasional, come join me, Doctor, but you know, rule the world, rule mm. the universe. Now it's just, come join me, Doctor. I mean, she kisses the Doctor. She, um, she's saying, I want my friend back. There is this, It's more of a romantic thing. And whether, whatever, whatever uh, you might think of, the what is the the personal relationship between the Doctor and the Master? Um, if it was, if you can interpret it perhaps if you want it to be that overtly romantic, but to push it that way all at once and then, in my opinion, abandon, not yeah, pretty much abandon the kill of the Doctor. That's part of the Doctor-Master relationship. You abandon that, in my opinion, you fundamentally change the character. So if you're going to do that, you need a reason for it. No reason was ever given, and then you get series 10, which is Missy the redemption, the redemption arc, and then there was something that, that happened that a lot of my friends, that even they really love Missy, one of my friends in particular, thought she's the best master since Elgato. He hated the, maybe the reason for her redemption arc, which was strongly implied that it was because she was a woman. And you see that I was very glad they brought back John Sim because I like John Sim. But you have John Sim. And, and Michelle Gomez, their versions. When Capaldi's giving his great speech, even before then in the Dr. Falls, when John Sim is making his views of Gomez known, he says, Do you have empathy now? And then I thought, Oh, no, no, no. I, if, they've been going, if they've been pushed the idea that time was beyond gender, but then they're saying because of a gender, John Sim will never be redeemed, but M- Michelle Gomez can because of the gender change. They're implying it's gender. They outright say, is the future all female? We can only hope, the master, the doctor, respectively, saying that. So I thought they're trying to do it both ways. They're trying to say we're, we're time wars, we're beyond that we're not male or female. But when they're trying to put, come up with character motivations, it's coming down to gender. I wasn't very happy about that. I felt that, that they cheapened the character of Missy by saying, well, look, we are trying to push this. We're preparing the audience, and we're saying character motivations are based on gender. So I worried at that point that – I was a little worried thinking what will be the, the reasons for a female doctor. I would love to see a female doctor shine and everything, but if, but if it's if it's based upon gender motivations, when they've tried to say this is not about gender motivations, it's about whatever. So I was a little – I was concerned because I thought you can limit yourself very quickly if it starts to become just about gender, even if you say not so. So but, so I was concerned, but I said I'm going to give it a wonderful chance because Jodie Whittaker seems like a lovely woman. I liked her in Broadchurch. Lisa, for, I liked her throughout. Broadchurch, I liked Series 1. Series, series 1 was wonderful. Series 2 was um, pretty good. I felt maybe the courtroom scenes were a bit cliché, but I felt the, the back history with David Tennant's Alicardi character was wonderful. So I felt Series 1 was great. Series 2, slightly weaker, but still very good. Series 3 of Broadchurch really worried me because – and this is on the Chris Chibnall side. This adds to your question. because so I wasn't very um, aware of Chris Chibnall stuff. Um, RTD was a natural choice, I suppose, of course, to start Doctor Who again because he was the one that was pushing and spearheading it. And it came together as a nice a nice, you know, connection that the people that at the time wanted to happen could get together. Stephen Mothat was a natural successor. He wrote some of the best episodes, in my opinion, of many people, of series, excuse me, one through four. Um... I thought Mo- RTD's era was wonderful. I think Stephen Moffat's era was wonderful. Towards the end, I think that, I'll put it this way I like RTD. I like his stuff. Um, I feel very good about it. If people ask me what I think about Stephen Moffat, I say, I like the things that I like, I really like. The things that I don't like about Hit, what he did, I really don't like. Um, mainly what they tried to do with the regeneration cycle, I felt that was, um, I just felt it was not the right time necessarily to do that. Um, and as an example, now whenever you have like a, a multi-doctor comic with some of the later doctors, and example the four doctors, 10, 11, meet 12, and they say, you can't exist, I know I can't regenerate anymore. That grates on me. Because I think, go back to the, the television episodes of Tennant and Matt Smith, they were never saying, I can no longer regenerate. And and this was – now, I can maybe get away because they hadn't read those episodes yet. You can't, in my opinion, get away with that with the Matt Smith stuff because Stephen Moffat's in charge. Mm -hmm. As late as Nightmare in Silver, he was saying explicitly the Doctor's regenerated ten times in the Doctor's mind. What I'm saying is that there was a narrative. They had to break it, and they had to change it to get that across. You had to break the canon, break continuity. And then nothing that came before made sense. Why would the Doctor seem to regenerate when he's being shot in uh, The um, the Impossible Astronaut? Shot mid-regeneration. It, none of that makes sense anymore. My personal theory is that, yes, the Doctor still could regenerate. It's just that uh, the radiation from the time crack inhibited the regeneration, and he's lying because that's the easiest answer we can give Clark. Now, of course, that's not the reason why Moffat did it, or the, the, his reasoning, but I think it's the only thing that makes sense. The point is, I still like the Moffat's stuff, but Chris Chibnall, I wasn't aware of his stuff. Okay, so now I'll go back to Broadchurch. I watched, so I watched that so you get a sense. I like Series 1, fairly like Series 2. Series 3 worried me. Because there was, in my opinion, a storyline that was a fine storyline, but didn't continue from the previous two series. And what really started worrying me was how the men were treated in that series. The men, most of the men were hapless or uh, reprehensible or, um, or just, just um, foolish, uh, adulterers, liars, um, practically pedophiles, peddlers of pornography. Um, there was a scene that I, that I really didn't like in, that, in one of the middle episodes where Ellie Martin, um, Olivia Coleman's character, her son is now into pornography. Now, I have never viewed pornography, and, and I think it's, but I think it's terrible. I've seen people that have been involved in that. But there's a scene where her son is involved watching pornography. And that's well, not, not the scene. He's involved in pornography, so she's not happy with him at that time. But then because the main storyline is dealing with rape, which is a very sensitive sad issue, but Ellie's father, who's recently a, widow, a widower, is living with her now, and he makes a comment says, oh, everyone's been raped. And I think what he was maybe trying to get across is that everyone is making a, a, a crazy, salacious claim sometimes, and you have, and who knows who, who to trust. And then Ellie, very heavy-handedly, in my opinion, says what might be true. You know, you need to believe people and you need to be compassionate people. But she says it in such a way that is very harsh and dismissive and almost ignoring her father. Ignoring this, a male, but 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 of her father, and she tells her son, "Don't listen to your grandfather. You need to believe everybody." I think yes, you need to. If there is a claim of rape, certainly take it seriously and see. But to the point of degrading and destroying a very sad man, I felt was a very hard thing to do. There was also one other thing. This involves Jodie Whitaker's character, which was the Mark Latimer, the father of the son. If anyone's seen *Brothers*, it all starts with the, uh, the the murder of a young boy in Series One, and her parents. And Jodie Whittaker plays this murdered son's boy's uh, mother. And uh, I don't know the actor's name, but there's a man who um, plays her husband. And Mark and Beth Latimer are the characters' names. By the time you get to series three, through the course of it, they've dealt with their grief, but Mark Latimer is not dealing well with his grief. It's very sad. But he but it just it reinforced to me that the women are dealing with these things very in a very strong way. The men are failing, and they're all failing they're you know, all failing there's not a single man in that series that is in my opinion a good example every male is failing in that story and that started to worry me i thought well why it, not that way in life men fail women fail yes but not everyone in one category fails and everyone in one category succeeds the mark latimer and beth latimer contrast was that mark latimer is still dreaming of his son he still cannot move past the death of his son and there's a scene fairly late in that series three where mark latimer is is breaking down and he's and it's, he's, a fairly, he's a not very sympathetic character, even from the beginning, but he's very, it's very sad to see a man broken over the loss of a child. And I've not had to deal with the loss of a child. I have no children. I'm not married. And thankfully no one in my family has, has died that way. But I've known people that, that have lost children. It's a very sad situation, and they, and they come together. Not every uh, couple comes together. But how this series treated them, their breakup, was very disturbing to me because Mark Latimer in a scene says to Beth, don't you dream about Danny anymore. Don't you see him in, in your dreams anymore? And, and she's she's already called told him off, saying, you, you know, you're weak, I can't deal with you. You have to you have to be stronger and, and, and you're wallowing in your grief. And I understood that. I didn't have a problem too much with that. Where I had a problem was when he says, Don't you see Danny anymore? And as she's walking away from him, and in a rather disgusted tone, says, No. But it wasn't like, no, I don't. because I ha- She didn't say, no, I don't, because i moved on and I sw- will always carry memories. We're like, no, I don't remember him anymore. I don't remember him in my dreams anymore. And that really disturbed me. That and one other scene, which was, which I felt was a very heavy-handed moment, in my opinion, which I don't think it was a very realistic di- line of dialogue, which was when there- Alec Hardy and um, David Tennant's character and Olivia Coleman's character are-, are talking and doing an interview with someone. I think it was the rape victim. I've only seen it once, but... Um, at the end of it, uh, Alacardi leaves, David Tennant's character leave, is walking down the steps out of this, their little mobile home, whatever you call it in, in England. But um, he says, you know what, um, Miller, her character, Olivia Colman's character, do you know what I hate most about this uh, case? It makes me ashamed to be a man. And I that struck me very hard because I try to be a gentleman, I, I want to be a gentleman, and I want to be kind, and I want to be very kind to women. But I never destroy my own gender my own nature as a man because if i say to myself i'm ashamed to be a man then what am i i can't escape um i am a male i I, I am a male i identify myself as a male um if i say i'm ashamed to be a male where do i go i can't escape to anywhere else because i'm not a female Mm -hmm. and i and i say this not to denigrate anybody that that identifies as a female if they are biologically male or such or, or has a different view of a gender but in my case i am a man I don't identify as a woman. When I see characters like that, who are not abandoning being a male, but saying I'm ashamed to be a male, and that's a statement. And if you, as a viewer, are supposed to connect to the character in the audience, that left me not only disconnected, but uh, abandoned. In a way, this Where can I go in this drama? I cannot be. I'm not going to be a woman. And, I, and if, I, if I'm supposed to say yes, I'm ashamed. Connect in that moment. I'm ashamed to be a man. I can't go here because I am not ashamed to be a man. I feel the same way when men that I know that might be trying to be empathetic to women. If they've had a problem with a man. If their way of, of empathizing with them themselves, oh, yes, well men are stupid. I think, no, men are not stupid. A man can make a mistake. A man can make a, can cause a problem. So can a woman. But if we're talking about men, a man can make a mistake. Men are not stupid. Men are not mistakes, in my opinion. A gender is not a mistake. Same thing for women. I say that because my worry and concern then was going into it was this is Chibnall's immediate work before Series 11. Mm-hmm. And it's treating men fairly, very poorly. Um, for the sake of maybe of drama, but it's treating them very, very, very badly. So I was a little concerned about that. I thought, how is he going to treat men in this series? How, and you think, Paul, well, and, and I didn't want to be simple about it, but I thought, it seems to be a fairly simple view of how men are being treated. Will that be in Doctor Who? Now, that wasn't my only issue, but I thought, well, we'll see. We will see. Let's watch the series. The very first episode left me fairly um, unaffected in a weird way. I felt it was fairly average because um, this is the hard part. I've watched these episodes recently, but it's a little hard to remember what was happening because I can. Re- I've watched Doctor Who my whole life. Um, people my age or such, very young people, maybe most of them that I know, and taking care I'm also an American. And so it's not on BBC, but I've I've had the privilege to watch Doctor Who my whole life. And so I can remember these episodes, and I can remember what happens, and their characters, their motivations and such. Um, I, growing up in school, I was uh, one of the, I was the only kid in America in California that was telling kids about Doctor Who. And um, as a, to put it in perspective, as a very, very, very young. I remember watching, and this is kind of funny watching you and because you remind you, you look very much like Paul McGann. Very young <laughs> as a very young person it's a compliment.
1: I can it, remember a, watching. I would say for anybody listening, that is a, that is a massive compliment, and I, I don't uh, I don't think I do look anything like Paul McGann. But go
2: on. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching as if remember when the series when I first started watching the series. Remember, as I said before, context. On PBS, they watch all the episodes at once, but they're after the series had ended. But I've watched Doctor Who my whole life, because I was very young then, and the series had already ended, and I was able to watch the whole series, well, almost all of it, all at once. So it's just a couple years, a year or so later, suddenly there's the telefilm when I'm very young. That's my first live Doctor Who episode was the telefilm with Paul McGinn. I cannot describe to you how I felt that night, seeing that you know, hearing the theme song and seeing the words Doctor Who on there, thinking this is the next episode. There was no Brigadier. I would have loved to see him there. No Cybermen. No Daleks. They were mentioned, but Gold Dust. So you know what that is. Mm-hmm. But you had the Master. I loved Eric Roberts' Master. I loved that portrayal. It Was wonderful. And I was devastated when it didn't come back. But a few years later, it comes back in books and audios. And, and by the time you know I'm in my, you know, you know, a few years older, it, it's it's. Um, you have the new series. So I was still very young, you know, just a little, little kid, one very little when McGann came along, but then he's a young man. Here's the tele, um, Eccleston. I loved it. Um, I should say this before I get back to series 11. It's just that give, again, give you some sense of where I am with Dr. Who, my enthusiasm for the series has, and I've tried to fight it, but I have to be honest, has wait, has been waiting for a while. And part of it, it's no one's fault. It's, um, it goes. I think it goes back to 2008 and 9. The series was at a peak. Uh, 45th anniversary time. It was wonderful. You had the master, the doctor. Yeah, for me, it was a build-up, which was okay. The one thing I wanted to see again in Doctor Who, above all, and you might be able to guess if you know me, was the Brigadier. Um, so when the series returned, because he had met, had met up with Doctors in some way, Doctors one through eight. Mm-hmm. And even that time I'd work with David Tennant. So a kind of ten, in a way. In the audience. He worked with him several times in the audience. More than many of the other doctors in the 80s. But, um, so we have that. But um, Series one gave us the Daleks. Series two gave us the Cybermen. I was sad that Christopher Eccleston left and never met the Brigadier, but I thought, well, not much you can do there. But I thought David Tennant came. Mm-hmm. Series two gave us the Cybermen. Series three gave us the Mocker and the Master. Series four gave us Davros um, and Sontarans. But Sarah Jane Adventures gave us the Brigadier again. So there was there seemed to be – and then Doctor Who magazine gave us in 2007 the Warkeeper's Crown with a 10th Doctor met the Brigadier. So there was that. It was just a sense of, OK, we're building to something. I, what I hope we're building to is the Doctor and the Brigadier meeting. And there was the plan meeting in the wedding of Sarah Jane Smith, but Nicholas Courtney's health fail, was failing and so we couldn't film. Mm-hmm. So that broke my heart. I wasn't mad at anybody, but I thought, oh – and I, and I, I think, I suppose I kind of knew because he was 80 then, and, and because of his general health, I, I, and the general feeling that he wouldn't film again in television or anything. I kind of, I've, I've had the feeling that maybe he wasn't long for, the, for life, and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, because of that, knowing that we won't see the Brigadier again, at least played by Nicholas Courtney, that. That's always been a driving thing for me. I, would, I, I always love to see progression of characters. I love to see the Brigadier and the Doctor together. At later points, for the Doctor, another Doctor, but a, an older Brigadier every mm. time. It was a, a driving priority, even for the Big Finish Audios, because he never had a, a full story with Colin Baker. There's a 1985 set, a children's age special where you see Colin Baker and Nicholas Courtney in costume and character, but with an um, ensemble, a lot of people. Mm. I recently discovered that, and then, and then of course there's dimensions in time. But it, um, but Big Finish made it a priority right early on. Spectre, Volani, Moore, Colin Baker, Nicholas Courtney, Minuet, that's audio. Paul McGann, Nicholas Courtney. They had David Tennant, Nicholas Courtney audios. Knowing that that couldn't happen again depressed me a bit. But I still like Doctor Who. But knowing that that, that little element was gone. Um, but to give a full feel, when they killed off the Brigadier in character in the wedding of River Song, I thought it was sweet, and I felt, and I understood why they did it. But I felt it was perhaps too much, especially when they said, oh, he was always waiting for you, but he never came back." That hurt a lot. Yeah, that hurt a lot. And but I understood why they did. But I felt you did. They didn't kill off Sarah Jane because Elizabeth Slayton is, has passed away. But they didn't kill her off. And I thought it's it's down to the writer's choice, you know. RTD probably wouldn't want to kill off. He was in charge of Sarah Jane Adventures. Ma- Ma- Sue Moffat decided to kill off Brigadier. I understood that. But then, then they bring him back as a Cyberman in uh, um, Death in Heaven. That did more than break my heart. Um, Because, again, I understand why Stephen Moffat did it. This is one of those things I didn't like that Stephen Moffat did. There are very few, but they... Mm -hmm. I understand why he did it. Because he said, oh, he wouldn't be a monster. He would always be the Brigadier. He said that in in an interview. But I thought, but he's still a monster. He's still a side man. I I equate... The reason why I really like the Brigadier... I'm trying to think why. But I suppose (laughs) because... I'm going to get emotional here, of course. <laughs> okay. He was my grandfather. And so, this is where I break with the, the candy jar books, or general, mm. which is that the beginning is born in 1930. For me, he's not. I know it's silly, but it... No, it's not. Of course it matters. It's how we express our emotions. Mm -hmm. For me, the Brigadier was born on the 8th of June, 1924. That's my grandfather's birthday. He's also a World War II veteran. He's an American, of course, but the way I see it is that the Brigadier reminds me of those ideals. Mm -hmm. The idea of the Brigadier dying, my grandfather is dead. He died quite a long time ago, but um, my maternal grandfather, both of them I love, but my maternal grandfather had those qualities perhaps more so, killing off the Brigadier, as long as the Brigadier was alive, I felt well, there was some part of the, that connection to my grandfather. He always said that, that part of my connection to my grandfather's story. When he died, I thought that's pretty horrible, um, but I live with that because my grandfather's dead. When they brought back the Brigadier as a cyber, and I thought, okay, if I equate the Brigadier to my grandfather, do I like the idea of my grandfather's course being dug up, torn apart, turned into a metal machine, and staying that way? No, I don't. I'm sure that Steve Moffat was trying to be respectful of the character, but I didn't like it at all. And so that further damaged my connection in this emotional connection to Doctor Who. So I was hoping, this is roundabout of what I thought about Series 11, but going into it, my emotional connection to the series has been deteriorating for various reasons. But I still loved Matt Smith, I still love Peter Capaldi, and I love their eras for the most part. Mm -hmm. So going into Series 11... Like I said, the first episode made me feel fairly cold because there wasn't too much I could remember about it compared to other episodes. Judy Whitaker I thought was fine, but um, in fact I thought she was very good. But for the most part, it's it's a generic doctor in a way, fairly generic, in that she's a woman, but she's—I wasn't really being—I wasn't able to pick up on anything that struck me as okay. This feels like this is the doctor's moment. I mentioned Paul McGann's story. You think of Paul McGann, he very young. I was I very, very, very young. He was a little kid, but I remember that moment where he remembers who he is, and he, and he kind of screams, I am the doctor and all that. I don't want to do an impression. I couldn't do it. I always have looked for that whenever a doctors come along. There's that for Paul McGann. There's I'm the doctor, by the way. So, um, run for your life, says um, Chris Rickleson. What does David Tennant say? Oh, I don't know, but he comes out of the TARDIS. You know, screaming, I don't know what kind of man I am. That's what kind of man I am. I'm no second chances and such. Matt Smith, I'm the doctor, basically run. That scene with the, uh,
1: uh, well, I can't remember their name. the Zeranti the, 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 or whatever they were called. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of it either, yeah.
2: <laughs> That's all right. And Peter, um, Peter Capaldi, what was his moment? Oh, you know, I'd have to look that up. I think it was, well, he had so, because he was very, very powerful performance, but I think it was uh, where... where you know, I'm essentially, am I a good man? That was it. Mm-hmm. Am I a good man? But I am, but I, but I'm I, then, of course, the industry is I am a, a madman in a box. Jodie Whitaker's statement was something like, This is who I am, I'm the doctor. And, and I, with about that much, what I just said, about that much emphasis, almost like it was a given. I thought, okay, that's fine. Um, we'll, but but then let's see what her character's like. It's a new ethos, again, tie it back to, you know, it's a new style. Ghost Monument. Fairly, for me, fairly uneventful episode. Um, in that, a lot's happening, a lot's being said. Could happen. Don't go in that water; could destroy you. But we never see what happens if you go in the water. We're being told all the problems. Um, the robots that miss—snacker mm. <laughs> robots. Um, the two side characters. One thing I started to notice is all these not necessarily villains, but these characters are kind of bad guys. There's Tim Shaw. Tim Shaw in the first episode, but he's kind of pushed away literally pushed off the scaffolding. Our, our, Art Malik's character was there but never touched, literally. And then the end's like, aren't you going to say something about to Put them on the way. He's like, no, and he just left. Mm. No one told him off. He's kind of a jerk, but he's just allowed to be a jerk. Which you can, but it's not like the doctor usually to just let something pass. The Rose episode, you know, I'm an, as an American, I'm, I'm much more aware of you know, because it's in my country, the civil rights movement and such. And so that portrayal, I suppose in a certain ways, I don't want to say impressed me, but it didn't surprise me or, or anything because it was, I've seen many, many, many other inter- dramatic interpretations. I'm much more immersed in that. Mm. I, but I, again, I didn't like, and this started to worry me, I didn't like necessarily how every single Caucasian person was treated like a thug or a villain, um... Again, you can have people that do things and cultures that do, do, do uh, things, but then you can't forget the individual and how they might act in a situation. Would they deal with racism in a certain way? And I and I was disappointed that no single white person was shown to resist it or say, no, this is wrong. Except Graham, mm-hmm. but he's from our time. And I didn't like the – and then the, then the villain. I felt the villain was, frankly, kind of pointless and almost insulting. It's just a villain who says, oh, this is telling Ryan – you're getting above yourself. This is where you your people need to be put in your place. I think, well then why do you care? Who are you and why do you care? What is you might be able to say, well, racism is is they're trying to show that racism is silly. Racism is not silly. Racism is not pointless. It exists and there are reasons why I have it, and it might be terrible reasons, but they exist. To say simply, oh he's just a racist. Well then then it's not even a person. And then why is he there if they char- if he's a character? And again, just a villain that's pushed away, sent back to his own time. It was by that point some of my friends were saying, well, I bet all these villains are going to come back at the end of the series, because they're just being pushed away. Maybe they'll tie together. I thought, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to come back or not, because they are just being summarily sent away. I'm not sure if there's a payoff for them. They may simply be there. Um... Again, with Rosa, I can understand that it matters because at the end of the episode, they say Rosa Parks changed the universe. But the way they say she changed the universe is that there was an asteroid named after her. Had they shown Crasko's world and saying maybe because of this, on this planet, there was this uprising. this planet, they heard of this. Somehow, Mm -hmm. maybe the radio signals left the the world and they inspired the people. There's no mention of that. It's simply what it does on Earth in the 20th century, which is important. But when they say it changed the universe because, look, there's an asteroid named after her, I thought that doesn't impress me with the villain. I still don't – that doesn't impress me either yeah. because people – anyone can be named after an asteroid. What does that – it's just a lump of rock. How mm-hmm. does that affect why this story was happening? How does that affect Crasco? So I was very disappointed with that. Arachnids in the UK, I guess I might as well just give you my overall summary of each episode because there were so few. I felt that was a bit of a nadir too because it, that was the first time I felt the, this story was just sprawling. It felt like the Green Death a little bit with the uh the, um, the 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 waste and and the mutated creatures and the larger things, but they weren't given any intelligence, they were just simply large spiders. It was a bit scary, but then there were some plot holes. I thought, unless Rom Yaz's mother it, it somehow knows Graham, uh I don't there's a spider in his house. So what's that spider doing there? It mm-hmm. means okay, it's a widespread problem, but then it's forgotten. That it allows Graham to who was saying, I'm gonna leave allows him to get back. It's a plot device to get him back, but it's a very telling plot device. It means this should be a widespread problem, but it's all it seems to be just contained in that hotel. Yeah. But there, are, but there are spiders outside, but they're never mentioned. And then, of course, once again, Robertson. I, I have One of my professors at school, he likes this, and he said, this story felt very anti-American. It felt very... Because they're clearly talking about Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And yet they're not. It's not him, but it's clearly meant to be Donald Trump. Whatever you think about Donald Trump, again, when you reduce the character down to... Reduce him to a, a caricature. But a statement on a person is dehumanizing a person to the point where it's meant to be comical. Maybe but also meant to be a statement. And then again, the villain just walks away, shoots the spider. And there are ethical questions about that. We could get into that if, it, if this were that commentary. So the point is spiders should be probably – the, the set of the spider should be killed maybe or at least should be put out of its misery. Robertson shoots it in this very silly way. Oh, this is how you get down. I'm going to be president of the United States. He literally says that. Um when in reality someone said, because he's in England, he would probably be prosecuted for having an illegal firearm and all these other health yeah. code violations. Yeah. He, but and yet he just walks away. And he does something that the doctor probably would have done anyway. Well, no, not killed in such a terrible way, but probably would have killed the spider anyway. The doctor just lets him go.
1: Yeah, because it does seem like the, the spiders that are locked in the panic room are just going to starve to death. And it, yes. It's slightly more humane in a way that, uh, that, that that one gets shot. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem to marry up quite well, that, does it?
2: It doesn't. So it was things like that, and I'll just speed through the rest. Concern the conundrum. Looks very nice, um, but the creature, not so much that it looks silly, but it was more like it's not a threat. And then it, by the mid-series, I started to feel there aren't too many threats in this series. There aren't many monsters in this series at all. There might be a monster, but it's not a threat. And th- at that point, my series, by series, the fifth episode, we hadn't really had a monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tim Shaw, but uh, beyond that, was... Sniper robots and then the remnants, the strips, but they talk with Timeless Child, Crasco and Rosa, um, spiders and Robertson in, in Arachnids who came. in Part Five, the pating but it's not a threat to the people. It's not killing people, and so that felt very filler to me. Just because I, when when in the end they dealt with it by just throwing out the airlock, I thought, well, why didn't you do that immediately? I know you need an episode, and that might be the situation with of things, but it's so glaringly obvious. Even the ass had a chance, and while she just kicks it down the corner, I thought, throw it out the airlock. Yeah. Make it. I felt it maybe needed a more serious threat. And then, of course, there's the logic of why do you have a bomb on this medical ship that, you know, you have problems in the three times. But it just felt, that felt a bit too much like filler, and it felt too like there were too many, not that there were too many threats, it's that there was no real threat. Although maybe the real threat was the wrong threat. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But themes of Punjab, I like. I, I, I like the... Um, the twist of the villain, uh, quote-unquote, the monsters um, in the end, but that was only a, a last-minute twist, the main story. I have studied a lot of India in school. I find it fascinating culture. Mm-hmm. I understand with budget that you probably – when I heard they were going to sit in India, I was thinking, well, this could look very beautiful. They it in the border of India and Pakistan, what would become India and Pakistan. So, and I understand they want to make character be So, I was a little down about that. I thought, well, we won't see the vibrant beauty of Indian culture. But that can be. It might be cliche, but you might want to see it. Mm-hmm. But it was very character. I thought, okay, well, let's deal with that. But in the end, my problem was since it was at that point, I was noticing that the character of Yaz had done very little. You know, nothing. I don't, people say, oh, she's the worst companion ever. I thought, well, we have to give her a chance. But I thought, but they're not giving her a chance. We see her introduced in episode one, she's a policewoman. And then she gets involved. Episode two, and this will sound repetitive, episode two she's there, episode three she's there, episode four we see her family, but for the most part she's there because it's just her kind of being sullen with her family. And we barely see her family, her mother, but her mother is just kind of there, maybe asking, who are these people love? And then Yas keeps saying, I don't want to tell you. No, not now, Mom. Didn't it it inure me to her character because I thought, well, she seems rather kind of dismissive to her mom and doesn't treat her very nicely whatever but the point is I wasn't warming to her and she still didn't do much because there's such a large cast now maybe the same problem they had in series 19 when they had the three companions season 19 back in Peter Davison's era and they quickly got rid of Adria because there was a thought we have too many companions well when you get to Demons of the Punjab I felt okay this is a chance for Yasa to do something most of what she does in that all she does pretty much in that episode is stand there and watch sit there and watch and cry and watch she might learn the events of what happened to her grandmother. But I personally can't point to anything that changes her character and say, oh, now I understand. And now I, even at the end. And also, the events happen. But there's nothing that, except for maybe the doctor marrying her grandmother and um, Priam, mm-hmm. or, you know, not her grandfather, but such. Nothing happens there that's a temporal paradox. Nothing happens there that is a sense of, now, it doesn't have to be. There were so many paradox stories in Moffat's there. It could be simpler. But if you have a story like that, I feel that you have to have sense of stakes. Like, okay, if the doctor's not here, then Yaz's family will die or something. Um, the feeling of why is the doctor, it's not just something as an observer, because that just makes her a time lord. I observe and I don't do anything. I'm here to make a difference. Unless I'm missing something, the doctor makes no difference in that story. Yaz's grandmother and her mother escape anyway. They were going to go to Sheffield anyway. They were going to, she was going to get married to this guy, but he was going to die anyway. And so I felt like, okay, it's not a terrible idea to see these things, but I see no reason why the doctor's there, except Yaz wants to be there. But does she grow? At the very end of the episode, was she, whatever time frame that is, it's unclear if it's before or after. I think it's before, but when her grandmother says, do you want to know my story now? And Yaz says, no, that's okay. It's your story. I thought, then what was the point of the episode? I'm sure there was, but it, for me, from the perspective of Yaz, where I felt she needed growth, I felt there was no growth. There was a missed opportunity. Problem fine episode. I say fine almost dismissively, like condemning with faint praise. Um, Not condemning, but it, I fear there would be heavy-handed anti-capitalist episode. And I was grateful that it wasn't, but when they did the twist that the system is not the problem, I thought, then well, what's the point of this? What's the message of this story? Then it, my problem is that by doing the twist in that, not too anti-capitalist, then the message, in my opinion became almost diffuse because it's because it's like, well, what are the motivations? Why are the machines then maybe killing a couple people? Maybe I can understand why they killed, um, oh, what's, I can't remember the names. That's maybe the problem. But the girl, the, the young girl that likes the, the gifts. Yeah. Maybe they yeah. It killed her. The robots killed her, the server robots, maybe to stop the other guy and say, oh, this is how it feels. Mm-hmm. But then why was the other, the earlier, the, the father who was trying to help his daughter, why was he killed? Because it seems that a server a robot tries to kill him. Um, it, by doing that twist the motivations went out the window for me because I thought I don't know what's happening now I don't know what the motivations are um, if it were slightly cleaner maybe and then in the end maybe not anti-capitalist you can have whatever message you want but if it's heavy handed then it starts to bother me I think well then make it a story instead of a, a message but then in the end um, even though the, the the terrorist kid is killed his demands are still like, oh everyone's going to get a job and I thought well, it might have been, if you were doing a twist, it might have been maybe more of a message, had, had they done business as usual, and maybe a small change, but I said, oh, everyone gets a job. I thought, oh, it's easy. Mm-hmm. Last couple episodes, let's see what was next. Uh, Kerblam, And then The Witch Finders. Fair, you know, on the whole, I thought that was pretty good. a you know, pretty good episode. I liked the visuals. I liked the the setting. A couple things I didn't like, though, that I really jarred me, and then I almost yelled at the screen because... Whenever people have had an issue with, again, this is, okay, Jodie Whittaker is a doctor. Female. Their idea has been, oh, she's not a male or a female, she's a time lord with two hearts. But in that episode, Jodie Whittaker embraces or identifies as a woman. There is a scene where she says about midway through the episode, all oh, the times are very difficult for women in these days. And she, had she said... Women are having trouble. They're having trouble. And then she's like, oh, yeah, it's bad, but aren't you a woman? Oh, I'm an alien. I'm a tumor. She says, we are treated badly. We have – if we're not – if this isn't happening to us, this is – you know we are having to do this. And I actually almost yelled, we? Who's we? Who are you? Aren't you – and I didn't like that because if there's a gender change and there's no – there was no narrative real reason for it. It was just simply – it's been attached, oh, they can change, but that is a recent addition to the series, whether you notice it or not. It's retroactively being done now, but it's recent, and a narrative changed. Why would the doctor become a woman? Maybe there is no real reason, it just happened, but I thought if there is no real reason, then don't make an issue. Now, to their credit, they haven't really mentioned that too much, but they did there, and I didn't like that, because I thought, well, now the doctor, is the doctor now a woman? Is she identifying as a woman, and will she identify with women's situations? beyond what the doctor usually does which is a plight and, the, and, the, and a helper and a rescuer for the, for the people in difficult situations but is she now identifying as that? and then the other main so that was something the other main thing was the Morax which was at this point no real monsters we get a monster in the last literal five minutes of the episode I thought there were only five minutes to deal with this and it, you spend a minute where it rants and rays and says I'm going to destroy the world or whatever and then they get rid of it you couldn't d- develop it, it, it What We finally get a a, a monster, and it's a raving lunatic, and that's all it is. Finally, episode nine uh, takes you away. Very strange episode to me just because even now I'm not quite sure how to pinpoint it. There were some neat things. I don't so much have a problem with the – people have a problem with the frog. It's not so much the frog for me. A couple things maybe. In that it's, I don't like how they dealt with the single father. Um, The doctor seemed to show more kind of animus, passion, you know, negativity, almost hate, not quite hatred, but disdain for him than maybe some of the monsters. When he is probably going through a lot of problems, this harkens back to maybe how I felt the ethos of how Chibnall was treating, he didn't write that episode, but he certainly is vetting it and, and allowing it, of how he treated men in Broadchurch. And there's this general feeling, even in episode one, Graham has said, oh, there's a feeling that he's a coward. When his wife, Grace Dice, says, what are her final words, Jim? Don't be scared without me. I thought, he hasn't really seemed like a coward. He seems like a cautious man, but not a coward. But that statement, don't be scared without me, it seems to be characterical, he's going to overcome his fears. Well, I haven't really seen him overcome fears, but that's the ethos. He's scared without her. It's almost a forced idea. A man is scared without his very strong woman. Even Ryan, with his dyspraxia, there's a sense of he has a, a disability that could be interesting. We have, can't, except for being mentioned a couple episodes here and there, we haven't really, we haven't seen it. Mm. When, when some people, some people I've heard comments who have dyspraxia say, "Look, if he has that, depending on how strong it is, but if he has it, he should be stumbling over everything. He mm. should be dropping everything. He should be." Now, maybe that's one person, maybe it's another, but it hasn't been mentioned almost at all. We and we haven't really seen the effects of it. it's more like, it's more like "I have dyspraxia." So I, I, might not have, I might have a problem with getting into the chute and collapse And he gets into the chute, fine. If he really had dyspraxia, from what I've seen, I've done a little research, he really should be having trouble being on a tiny conveyor belt. But, my, but that was my main issue, the, the, the single father being treated very badly. Yes, he, he was. He, what he did was reprehensible, but it was almost a sense of um, what you did is reprehensible, therefore you are reprehensible. Get back to your daughter. I'm sure he's going through a lot. It wasn't just the his daughter wasn't the only woman's life, it was his wife. It would be difficult. But then of course it's the logic, why didn't he bring his daughter with him? If he can mm-hmm. get between that horribly difficult place to travel, how did he get across that? And then of course ribbons and and all that stuff didn't really. So it's left me a bit cold. But to sum it all up, I suppose it all comes upon the doctor. What do I think about Jody as the doctor? And maybe this last episode will change my opinion, but um, 'cause we're going to watch it in a moment. I, I, you know, I can't I can say that she's my one of my I mentioned him before my Canadian friend who likes Doctor Who. He um he he was very excited when Christopher Eccleston was coming back as the doctor. And he said that he was when he saw the trailers he was super excited, he felt this is gonna be wonderful, just like the original series. But um, he, Chris Eccleston is ultimately his least favorite Doctor the Portrayal. Mm-hmm. And there are various reasons, but he said one thing that stuck with me. He said that the tagline for Series 1 was, you know, there's that, That if you, you can remember this, there was a, a television advert where Chris Eccleston is looking down and he looks up to the camera and says, you want to come with me? And then it's all these, you know, scenes from the series. And then he says, it'll be dangerous, it'll be crazy coming with me, but it, I can promise you one thing. It'll be the trip of a lifetime. My friend said after series one, he said, you know, it was good. I don't think you quite lived up to that. I don't think it lived up to being the trip of a lifetime. I think it was wonderful. I, I, in my opinion, I think maybe it did. But, I can, but it, he, something left him cold. Now, there was no such tagline, but maybe when Jodie Whittaker was saying, talking about her doctor being very fizzy and full of energy and, and, um, and excited and running around. I look at this doctor and I, so that's in my mind. Okay, what's she going to be? Maybe a quirky woman, who knows what, but running around, jumping all over the place, maybe a little like Patrick Trout, maybe a little like, um, like David Tennant. And there is that, but maybe at the, maybe there is that, but maybe not quite the level she was saying, I don't know, but at the, but whatever it is, I felt it is expensive. I get individualizing her doctor. I can't really point to too much that says, well, her doctor's like this, mm-hmm. or her doctor does this, or, the, or, or um, her doctor is, um, for example, her doctor is a little more egotistical, her doctor is a little more active, or her doctor is a little more uh, cerebral. I'm not sure how to characterize her doctor. So I I, I wish I could say, oh, I can't, I wish I could say I really love her, I really hate her, because that way I can have an opinion saying, I'm not even in the middle, I am outside of the range, because I can't really pinpoint who this doctor is. Because in many of the episodes She hasn't done much Demons of the Punjab Is probably one of the best examples It's simply We are here And we can't get involved And they really don't She gets a little bit involved With the witch finders Maybe saving that one woman But after all, It's funny even there It's like Someone did a little time clock When she swims across the river To save the granny character It's about 10 seconds And the granny character Is already drowned Yeah So whether or not that's, That's not against her performance The point is Maybe the inconsistencies But the doctor's always inconsistent I suppose But there is just this general sense, for me at least, I suppose it is, maybe there's one thing I can point to, and some people have, is that when there's a villain, maybe not even a villain, we haven't had too many, vi- really villains, but almost in every situation. If there's a villainous thing or something that you would expect the doctor, by our personal experience with the character, would object, or she says she objects. If the villain does something, or the or the antagonist does something, the antagonist walks away, and the doctor said almost nothing, if anything. Even before I watched the Witchfinder*, someone said, oh, she really gets a King James face because of something. And I thought, okay, maybe she'll really get... No. She just takes the torch away from him, says, no, after he burns them, the main Morax queen, says, no more witch hunting. And, and, um, and then someone say, well, she's being a jerk to him at the very end. Well, all it is is she's a little cold to him, a little, you know, dismissive. But there's been almost no... It's been a very even-keeled doctor. And because she's even keeled in her first few episodes, her first nine, we'll see with the tenth. Because she's fairly even keeled, and because she's, some people say she's portrayed differently in every episode. Maybe. The point is, and I don't want to keep talking about it because we want to watch the episode, but I I, I guess maybe you could tell me I'm trying to find something to say about her. I'm trying, because I've watched all the episodes, I'm trying to say, well, she is like this. The first episode had her make the sonic screwdriver and she was doing the engineering stuff. We haven't seen that since. She just uses the sonic screwdriver and it's usually, oh my gosh, this is all over the place. I can't tell anything about that. Well, I can point to one thing that I think maybe that is worrying me, is that she seems rather weak. I'm not necessarily saying weak in, well, maybe there's a weakness in character, but a weakness in, um, in position, in, in, her, in her in her presence, in that, um, not, oh, she's annoying. No. But, well, who is she? Who is this person who's just entered the room? Oh, it's the doctor. It's the man in the striped suit. It's the man with the bow tie. And I'm talking about it, Master of the Quote. Or it's the man with the, with the crumpled frock coat. Or it's the man with the frills. The man with the scarf. And not, the clothing. But you notice him. Her clothing is a bit interesting. But the, but when she enters the room, I don't feel like the focus is goes to Jody. I don't feel – and that's not her necessarily – that might be the director, the ethos. Oh, it's a, what they say in *Witchfinders* is Witch the flat team structure. This may be a problem with the fact that we have four main characters. Yaz, I think, has had no character development, or very little. There's Ryan and Graham. They have a little. Ryan has a little more, but it's in connection. It's dependent upon Graham. Graham, I think, has had the most character development. Graham, I think, is the strongest character. I really enjoy And their performances are fine. They're good. But there's not much given to... I think Mandip Gill is being wasted in the role. She's got very little to do. I think it would be interesting when they would have gone back to Earth if maybe someone says, hey, you've been gone from your job for a week. We're firing you. And then you could have a deal with that. But there's no, there are no consequences yet. But a season without consequences, at least they gave that to, like, Teagan back in season 19. That's what she's. I need to get back. Okay, I get it, Yaz wants something else but I don't quite know what she wants, that's more even when she's, her father says to her you're a policewoman, am a police officer that's showing a disdain, but that might be showing disdain to her father but who seems like a nice man and is trying to compliment her so it did not help me with her character liking her but it was a sense of well, what does she want why is she traveling with the doctor maybe that's a little bit too I don't know quite why these people are traveling with the doctor it's more like oh I have nothing here well, Graham yes I understand him Ryan, less so, maybe he doesn't want to go back to his job, but mm. no one does, maybe, you could argue. Mm. Yaz, even less, which is, she has a job, it's a fairly good job, except for maybe a little, oh yeah, you want to do something else, well, maybe she's on her first day on the job, so why would a person give her a big assignment to do if it's early on, because maybe she's only 19. Yeah. yeah. So she's on a long-term police officer. I guess, long story short, I don't know who these characters are too much, Graham, yes, more so. But because he's got two other companions in the Doctor, less screen time, it's almost like, okay, we're now we're on, this is the Graham scene, this is the Yaz scene, this is the Graham-Ryan. And that's the problem, perhaps, with Graham. I would love to see more character, but he's always paired up with Ryan. In fact, I'm not even sure if he's ever really been pa- paired up, except for maybe a brief scene Demons of the Punjab with Yaz. Mm. I'd like to see, if, if you're going to do pairings, I'd like to see a change. It's usually Granddad with the grandson. Fine, but... but I'd like to see more. I'd like to see something different. Mm-hmm. But that maybe is devolving upon the Doctor, which is giving her very little screen time for a first-year Doctor who's a woman. And therefore, he is different. Whether you whether you think it matters or not to the character, this is a theme in the real world. This is a female Doctor. Um, I don't really have a – again, to reiterate, if anyone's wondering, I always have expected that the 13th Doctor would probably be a woman. Different somehow from the previous twelve, assuming they were. By the time you got to Peter Capaldi, no, that wasn't. Oh, may seem. Oh, she has to be a woman. It was just. I expect that she will be because the thirteenth. And even in a way, she should be because the thirteenth Doctor should be different. I'm still in the, the opinion that there are thirteen Doctors. That might sound dismissive to John Hurt's Doctor. Wonderful performance, but if you see even now, his Doctor is almost due not to ignominy, no, but maybe ignorance because. How often do you see him in a calendar? And with his death, you're not going to see him in audios anymore. There may be a sense of how can we replace or recast John Hurt. Rightfully so. His doctor will be never forgotten, but will be always underused. Hmm. And by nature the fact that he doesn't have a number, it may make sense in a linear storytelling. Oh, if you tell the story and then you get to the doctor and explain it, it makes sense. But if you explain to a kid, okay, here's the war doctor. What number is he? He doesn't because blah, 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 and he came out. Then a little kid might say, I'm going to ignore him that makes no sense, it's too complicated that may be the sad plight of the, the war doctor, which is he will be considered to. yes um, because even now, oh, when they say how many doctors have played oh, 12 doctors mm. in interviews and such, 12 men have played the doctor and they might be right in saying that because at the end of the day, John Hurt, as good as he was was a one-off guest star doctor, which I don't think you should do So, and the Meta Christ stuff I thought was ridiculous, the point is I think there should be only 13 doctors and so for me, although it might be hard, this is nothing, nothing about Jody. It's just I've always felt that once you get – whenever the 13th Doctor goes, that's it for me with Doctor Who. Because anything more um, – because that was the ethos. And I like the sense of completion. Mm-hmm. Um, I might change my mind because I don't want to dismiss any other act who will come forward. But, but I am concerned, let's just say now with this Doctor simply because, I cannot feel like I've latched on to anything yet. But we've had a, nine episodes, and I hope something will come in the 10th. But I can't say, okay, this is the doctor's like this. I, for the first time, I say, oh, well, I can't. It's a woman. That's all I can say. No, that's not all I can say, but that's the first thing that's coming to mind. It's a female doctor. Well, what is she like? And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to pause here for, com- for comedic or dramatic effect. I'm really trying to think. I can say that she's... Uh, oh, man, I don't know. I want to say that she's scientific, but she's relying on that sonic screwdriver a lot. And half the time, again, Demons of Punjab or or um, couple of, or couple the Pating, it wasn't, oh, I examined the Pating, she loses the screwdriver. It's like, well, let's look at the, the um, computer banks, which I think only had cameo Easter egg images of like Daleks and Simon and Zagons, which is nice, but um, there's that... I want to say she's scientific, but she's relying on the science screwdriver a lot, she's relying on the computer banks a lot. General sense of weakness, like this doctor. I've always had the sense. And I, I'll finish up with this, because I, we need to get to the commentary. I have always been of the opinion that, that Time Lords are um, the ultimate creature in the universe, and I'll see this as a, maybe like, okay, I mentioned before, like things like guardians or things like that. Guardians, Eternals, all that. RtD once said that, in a little small interview for a magazine, that if people were wondering if the trickster or, or no, the um, the um, not the cap, the shopkeeper, the shopkeeper character from series four and series five, Sir James was a guardian. He said, "No, he's not a guardian. He never got around it." But he said this. He said very clearly, "No, because I've never quite understood where the guardians fit in the cosmology. Nor have I." Frankly, I've always felt that if you have an ultimate good in the universe, it's the doctor and the ultimate evil is the master. Then you get a white and a black guardian. Think, What are they? I think the doctor is, is something that has discovered his godhood again, his a sense of what he is. So I like the idea of the doctor being godlike. I've liked that in the new series. So I've mentioned all this not to be a tangent, but say I've thought about it a lot. This 13th doctor, um, I have no trouble if you want to humanize doctor in the sense of, you know, make it more relatable or sense of stakes or danger because these episodes have had not terribly high stakes and there have not been these world shattering events you've humanized the doctor to such an extent i feel she's so humanized she's often saying oh i'm stupid i think it was demons so well, I'm, I'm stupid i don't i made a mistake she's often making mistakes mistakes that are not necessarily carrying the character forward or, or strengthening the character but almost feels like well the character yeah that was a mistake that wasn't a, a misunderstanding Ker-blam, she's mistaking everyone's intentions um ghost monument perhaps a little bit too still trying to figure it almost feels like she's a doctor that's for, that doesn't have all this wealth of knowledge in her mind she should but it's often mm, forgotten or misunderstood or I guess I'll just finish with that which is I I, mean, I feel like season 11 has left me fairly cold I don't hate it but I so far I haven't really liked it I haven't really enjoyed um how these characters are being set up, I feel that some of them are being wasted, especially Yaz, yes. and I am not enjoying how the Doctor has been portrayed as pretty much a human female who has a TARDIS that we barely see, a Sonic screw that she uses a lot, and if she uses it and doesn't have an answer, she doesn't have an answer. It's almost as if she is really, not I'm even a mad woman in a box, but a woman going from place to place and solving things just barely, uh, or not at all. And if she can't solve it, then there's no consequence because the bad guy or the antagonist walks away. So I, I have felt like this is – it has felt relatively um, – it's felt like you're watching a regular day of The Office. And that feels unlike Doctor Who for me, and, it's, and that's that's concerning me. I hope that this 10th episode changes my opinion or the New Year special, but that's – in a nutshell, it's taken about half an hour, so I apologize if I bored you or not. But that's where I feel. I, I, maybe I just want to get that off my chest, which is I am I am – frankly i will just say one other thing i am frankly concerned of where the series is because i'm not excited about it i've not i was excited to start this could be something new but every successive episode has left me feeling cold not because it's terrible but because there's nothing new or exciting or innovative or or um maybe maybe it's storytelling that maybe i should try to appreciate maybe it's more human maybe it's more real but i mean you can relate to the characters but but in a way, I, I want to relate the characters as they will be the best that I can be. I could achieve an amazing thing. I haven't seen an amazing thing achieved. The thing that worries me probably the most is the ratings. I think I should mention that. Yes, the average is good and higher than it has been, certainly in Peter Capaldi's years. But I have done a little digging and seen some videos online and actually looking at the numbers. The numbers themselves are fairly strong. What is not strong is the trend. It is a straight, consistent downward trend. And the loss of viewership, even in consolidating viewing, you know, they're trying to use consolidating views, people are watching it, not necessarily the first night, even the consolidating viewing. Consolidating viewing, I think, is a loss of about 30% viewership, and the overnights is a loss of about 40%. Almost half a plurality of people that tuned in the first episode have disappeared. And even in Capaldi's worst years, you know, like season 10, The trend was up and down. Maybe it wasn't very strong numbers, but more people watch here, maybe fewer, more people next, fewer. But it was up and down. It was a sense of at least maybe if you felt like watching here, it is a consistent drop. And a series can't continue if it's a consistent drop. And some people are saying, oh, well, it's maybe like the Colin Baker years. Well, I think the Capaldi years were like the Colin Baker years. This... If you've just got a, 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 a drop off a cliff of ratings, they still might be strong by the end, maybe 5 million or so. Whatever this rating is, I don't know, for 10th episode. Actually, no, I do. I, I looked at the um, the overnight views, 5.32 million. Up from episode 9, which is 5.07, by a, you know maybe a, well, 0.32, 0.25, so 250,000 people more watching it. That's a small drop. It's, a, it's, it's slightly more. But down from eight point what two or three,
0: mm.
2: and you had a million drop off from episode one or two. I guess what I'm saying is I am concerned that this series has, in its attempt to become maybe more realistic, has become uninspiring and, and exciting, and therefore, dare I say, boring. Um, and if you lose forty percent of your audience with numbers that are not are not at the level of David Tennant's years, maybe were at the beginning, but they are now down to about Peter Capaldi's years. That concerns me and what still concerns me is that the series won't come back until 2020 and that brings me back to something like, let's say Colin Baker certainly which was you know, viewers left with a weird impression of his doctor. It could have been good but there was a long wait and then there was the hiatus. If you're giving us hiatuses after her first year where people are not here where, where you have a polarized audience just like Star Trek or Star Wars I don't think that's going to help viewership if, if you have to wait a, at the least 15 months because people will forget the people that have been that have left will probably still be gone. The people that might be turned away might not be terribly interested anymore. So I, I, that's where I'm 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 going to be on. I'm, I'm deeply concerned with with the, with the strength of this series because I'm I, I'm not going to pretend that it is at levels of enthusiasm and strength as it was in the David Tennant years, or the beginning of the Matt Smith years, or even maybe even a sense of maybe d- vibration discussion about oh I might like Peter Capaldi I might not. It's more of a more there is still discussion but it's more like i really love it or i really hate it and i see a lot of people saying i really hate the show i don't hate it but i am concerned and i what concerns me is not that i'm in the middle mm. but because of maybe the way the performances are i'm again I'll say it one more time i feel almost disconnected and outside like it's like it's not there anymore for me and that concerns me deeply because if it's like that i'm almost at the point where i think if it continues like that if it doesn't get any better If the quality of the stories don't make me feel inspired, then my, my fear, if I'm going to foresee anything, my fear is that by the time it hits the 60th anniversary, that this series won't even be a shell of what it was. It won't even be a shadow of what it once was. It won't be Doctor Who. It'll simply have the title and an expectation that we'll watch it just because it's Doctor Who. And that's, I, I guess, I, I'm just I'm, to be honest, I'm gravely concerned. I, I, because I, have, I think back to when I was a little, little kid, being ridiculed at school for liking some dumb British sci-fi series that had been off television for years. But I kept saying, it will come back. It's wonderful. And now I will, I'm not in the position where I'm ridiculing people for no, I No, because I will never be that way. I would be a hypocrite and I would probably hate myself for doing that. But now I'm at the point where I'm thinking, I want to like it. But I'm, I don't like it. I'm in the position now where I'm saying after watching these nine episodes, I want to like it, but I can't feel like it's wonderful. Now, I'm not the only I'm not, a, there are many people that like it. For all I know, I, I, think that you've, I think you've liked it fairly well, and that's good. If you can see something, that's my problem. I wish I could see what you were seeing. I wish that I could enjoy it as you do, or many others do. My if if I were the only one saying this, I wouldn't be worried. I'd feel sad for myself. But I say, but hey, I will come to like it. But I'm not the only one that's saying this. More and more people are. That deeply worries me, and I worry that the series could, if it continues this way, I will say this. I think it should end then with Jodie Whittaker. If, if not because she's, no, just say if because if it if it tends and only reaches mediocrity, I can't put to an episode that's a standout in this series. So others might think Rosa is, and I understand that, but I haven't. Like I said, a different perspective of it. If I can't point to a series with, with standard episodes, and if it continues that way, where you have every series without a standout episode, or if it's at best mediocre, then I think a series like this as a flagship should end. It should end, because I it, it think it should be something special. Some people said, this is something more than just a TV series, it's something special. If it becomes just another TV series, which I feel that it is, I fear that it is, because I don't have that sense of energy anymore, or sense of, oh my gosh, this is must-see. It's like, oh, well, not much is happening for me. And I think many other people, then it should end, and maybe take time and how it is to come back. If it doesn't end, and they keep it like this, and we get a 14th or 15th, to 16th, but the quality stays more or less like that, now that's projecting very far, different shoulders, but if it stays more or less like that, because I and I, and I, I think I should say this, because it's, it is there, the BBC has their quotas and their, their hiring quotas and, their, and their, um, their checklists and such. And, and it's, it's spelled out. It's, it's public knowledge. That is the thing that worries me, is a sense that this is the normal. This, it must be this way. And so if it's mandated that – Neil Gaiman said that his scripts are often being changed. So if they are all being changed, if it's mandated editorially that the quality or the content must be of this style, if there's so much editorial imprint from the BBC now, that's what worries me, that it won't get better. And if it doesn't get better – then I think that Doctor Who will, if it continues, for whatever, it will become something forgotten. And so that might sound over dramatic, but I fear that because it's because it's happening to me. I never thought I would feel that way about Doctor Who. I don't want it canceled. No, but I fear that it should they should plan for an end if, if this is if the quality does not improve. But I could be wrong. And, and maybe this episode will prove it wrong. I've taken such a long time talking about it. I'm sorry if I bored you, but I but I am consuming this has been my, been my concern over the last few months, couple months watching this is I I see why people that don't like it don't like it, and I'm strong and I'm sympathi- not just sympathizing. I'm agreeing with them to a certain extent, and I never thought I would do that. So that's where I feel about series 11, is that I am deeply concerned. I think they have good intentions, a wonderful, a good cast, but the structure is is maybe more than they thought. A flat, you know, this we have a flat team structure. Said again, which It feels like a flat story structure, and the characters are not getting enough time even the good characters I really like, like um, Bradley Walsh is not getting a lot of screen time. Um, he has a good arc, but it's being having to be divided amongst sort other of things. And Jodie Whittaker is not getting a lot of screen, screen time. <sighs> Maybe when we've watched the last episode, I'll be able to give some final thoughts of what, what she could, what they could change. Cause then I could say, I've seen the series. Yeah. But that's where I am. That's where I am. Right. Concerned, concerned, deeply
1: concerned. Yeah. I'm sorry yeah, if you, you feel like way. Well, yeah. I've, I've generally enjoyed generally, this series. the The second half definitely a lot more than the first half. I think. Um, yeah, I feel like those kind of concerns feel like they've been around for a few years. I, I've enjoyed Doctor Who pretty consistently since it came back. And the thing about the hiatuses and the viewing figures, it, it feels like those concerns, you know, have been around for maybe ten years. Is it ten years since the first hiatus or nine years since the first hiatus? Um, uh, yeah, nine uh, two
2: thousand. Well, the- Two thousand nine was certainly the, the gap year. No yeah. one, they called it the gap year, but the big hiatus was certainly two thousand twelve and thirteen had a split series. Two thousand sixteen hmm. was the big hiatus because you you had almost you had about a year and a half between series nine and ten. But yeah, you've had but since the first hiatus about nine years. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think um, as Doctor Who fans, especially Doctor Who fans since the wilderness years, we've got that sort of inbuilt fear that it could be cancelled again or you know there, there there could be problems um and i guess it depends on your on your perspective if especially if you're not enjoying the series then those concerns are magnified because uh you know you you sort of uh, you're going to connect with other people maybe that they're not enjoying it and uh, and it magnifies those worries i've uh, and again it's the, the problem with the internet generally i suppose it's kind of those sort of uh, echo chambers isn't it generally the people that I've seen on Twitter and whatnot have, have generally been enjoying it, um, but with the same kind of concerns, which I agree with. I think that the doctor hasn't maybe taken as many moral stands as you would expect. You know, against the uh, against some of the people that she's met, like the the kind of the, the Trump figure of Robertson in Arachnans uh, in the UK, and you know, kind of various other people. Um, and, and yeah, I think there's some interesting stuff in this episode which we'll uh, we'll watch now, which, which kind of feeds into that as well.
2: Okay. Uh, well, so. And I'm glad you said that. I, and I, and I, I could, my opinions could ultimately change. I guess why I've been watching on YouTube, that's why I've seen a lot of the, there, there are a lot of reviewers that like it on YouTube, but there are, and I've seen them, but there are a lot, lot, lot of reviewers on YouTube that don't. And their arguments are very strong. And it's never, oh, Jodie's a woman. It's many of the things that I've said, we mm. seem to be, I, I will agree with you. I think the second half of the series is – because you could tell me what I was saying. is better. I think the first half definitely really if – if we're just a five-episode series and we those five, I would be very concerned because I would look at those and say these are not very good episodes. Mm-hmm. Episode six, seven, eight, even nine to a certain extent, although there was, I had some issues with that, are better. I think they are better. And I hate to say it, but those are the episodes not written by Chris Chibnall. Yeah. And he's – maybe that is my main concern is that the episodes written by – if I could boil it down to something – it might simply be that the episodes written by the whole series vetted by Chris Chipnall and that but the ones that are written by Chris Chibnall are not, in my opinion, very good episodes. And he is the showrunner. Whether I liked, I like, I really liked Stephen Moffat. There were things I disagreed with him very emotionally, as you know from earlier. Mm-hmm. But but I don't hold those against him. I may not agree with his choice, but I don't hold those against him. And still, his individual episodes and his creative ability, even maybe his weakest episodes, were still very intriguing still very, you know, wondrous. These episodes, he, his vision, and maybe I'm, I want to say, oh, we're used to, but I think I can be a little less biased because maybe many kids my age, you know, they've only watched R.T.D. David Tennant. I have watched the whole series. I have seen everything from Verity Lambert to, um, to John Wiles to Ennis Lloyd to, uh, well, let's just, uh, to um, to um, <laughs> Uh, Peter Bryant to uh, Barry Lentz to Philip Hinchcliffe to Dave um, Graham Williams to John Nathan Turner to Philip Seagal, to RTD to, um, to Stephen Moffat to now Chris Chibnall. I've seen many different eras. Some are hard science, uh, depending on the even the scriptwriter. Some are more fantastical. Some are more comedic. Some are more historical. Some are more um, um, explorative. Some are more like John Pertwee's years, very earth based, but there were lots mm. of monsters and there were lots of characters. I've never seen this series, and maybe this is simply Chris Chibinon's vision. Maybe it's coming down to his vision of what his ethos. I'm using that word a lot: ethical view, ethics mm-hmm. of, a, of a concept, and then evolving the pathos of things in the lo- whatever. But the point is, I've never seen the series this um, this human, and, but not even human, because human is wonderful. Because humans created this this maybe mundane, maybe um simple it's straightforward but i can i can honestly say i'm not spoiled because all i know is and it's not oh, no, actually spoiled well, some people might say the counter argument is you're spoiled because all you know is the tiny whiny stuff of steve moffat i don't just know the tiny whiny stuff of steve moffat i know legitimately this entire series from day one to year 55 i know this entire series in and out just funny little thing little a few years ago, I was at a party and someone came up to me, a guy that I knew, and he said, are you my mummy? <laughs> and I said, and, I, and he, was he was joking. He said, I told some fans that you're, some people I know that you're a Doctor fan. And I said, if he knows Doctor if he's a real fan, see if he knows what that quote is. And my thought was, are you serious? If I wanted to be a jerk, I could go up and say, well, do you know what's the other episode where they say, are you my mummy, and who said that, and what was the context, and what were they wearing, and then, and what was the other episode where they say, are you my mummy, and then I could say, if, in that mummy episode, which is Mummy of the Express, what was the episode where that was previously featured, and which was the and what were the circumstances, <laughs> and then I could just go from there. And then I could then I could recite the, uh, what is it, Homo sapiens, what invented um, uh, invented, um, species. They, and I, I can't do it anymore, but they even... It's only a few million years since they crawled up out of the mud and learned to walk. Um, puny defenses Pipes, it's only a few million years since they uh, learned to crawl out of the mud and walk. They've endured flood, famine, and plague. They've, they've endured Holocaust, and yet here they are out among the stars ready to uh, city eternity. They are indomitable, indomitable. I can't do word for word, hmm. but I can, if I want, tell you what happens in every single episode of Doctor Who. I know the series well. I think I can honestly say I'm an expert. I am a passionate expert of Doctor Who. Now, that was a joke. What I'm saying is I'm not spoiled on just Stephen Moffat. I'm not spoiled on just RTD. I am aware of, of every ethos, and this ethos, for some reason, is just not working. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe I, I mean, I'm i just venting that because I don't like when people say, have. one thing I despise is the commentary. People say, if you don't like Jodie Whittaker, you are not a true fan. I like Jodie Whittaker enough, but I am a true fan, and mm. so are everyone else that have issues with this and concerns. Maybe our concerns are world, Maybe Maybe we are overreacting because, and we're and not because it's only year one. But our concerns are real, mm-hmm. and I know this series inside and out, and I enjoy it very much. And so I am concerned about it. But maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm just not thrilled with Chris Chipnall's writing and his stories and his his overall direction and whatever. Suppose he has a five-year plan that would take us probably to the 60th anniversary. So we'll see. But maybe, maybe, we, maybe this last episode will uh, will uh, change my mind.
1: Cool. Cool. Let's uh, so let's watch the, the battle of Ransko Avkos.
2: And uh, wish me luck enjoying this. I one just wanna say that I don't I don't hate these episodes. I I, I still find them entertained, but it's lacking the I guess it's of it's lacking the spark that I once had. But that but it seems to be concerning me that a lot of yeah. people feel the same way too, so we'll see.
1: Cool. So this, wish, is, this is, is this your first time watching it? Yeah, I'm gonna see how it is. Ah right, cool. Oh okay then right. Cool. So if you're watching along at home, we're gonna press play on the Battle of Ramsko of Coloss in three, two, one. So how are you like how are you liking the new music and titles?
2: Oh thank you for asking me that. Um I um I like that I really like. Like here boom 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 when I heard that the first time for the ghost Monument, I, I kind of teared up because I thought yeah. to myself oh we haven't heard that that sound that particular style mm. since you know the the Dudley Simpson well he didn't write but the, that's pretty much the wrong grainer Dudley, Delia Derbyshire style yeah. yeah what do you think of the title I that run score of Colos.
1: yeah it doesn't roll yeah. off the tongue does it no. um, and that's okay uh, it's, it's, I don't okay. think, um, this is something I was saying yeah. last week as well. I don't think he's, uh, Chris Jim's quite got the the lyricism uh, of, of Russell T Davis with names uh, and things yeah. like that, does
2: he? Yeah, I mean, there are three tiles I can think in this series. The, yeah. um, the Suranga Conundrum, Ker to a certain extent, because of the exclamation mark. I mean, how do you say it? Yeah. You have to force to say it. And on this one, the Battle of Ranskor of Kolos, which is, I mean, it sounds alien, but if it's an alien word that you can't say, mm-hmm. I think there was a, there's a past no, it would be a, a missing adventure it's going back with the venusian lullaby missing adventure by yes. paul leonard i think it was or um first dr ian and barbara immediately after Dalek of of earth yeah had a lot of venusian tie- names and people said they're neat but they're very hard to say mm-hmm. so so what do we have here we've got two people oh that's the lady from the, uh, um oh mr hughes from Downton Abbey. Um,
1: Oh, it is, yeah. yeah I, I couldn't place her um, when I was watching it. Yeah, that's right. This, uh, that's who it is.
2: She was wonderful. So it looks like you know, this planet looked very nice. I like the way it looked in the sky, I mean, in the space.
1: So, they yeah, it's are uh, totally
2: like religious.
1: Back in a traditional Doctor Who quarry as well, which is nice.
2: Yes. <laughs> a traditional quarry and two people here. And seems like she's trying to urge him to do something that he's been training for a long time. Okay, what's that? Orange eyes. Uh, so what's? I saw online someone saying, hmm, Doctor Who and Star Wars don't really go together, do they? And now I'm starting to understand. <laughs> Not saying, "Oh, well, yes or no. I'm just saying, okay, I understand what they were meaning is there's a little mm-hmm. bit of this. So he stopped. Mm-hmm. And okay, so he can't control without the concentration. I like the sky. I love the. I love the. Uh, it's probably CGI. Well, maybe not. But.
1: Yeah, it's it's so, very visually stunning. This episode, I think it's uh, it looks great.
2: Uh, hmm. I think, oh, I think it looks very beautiful. And then to. Okay, if that's okay, I'm going to make a prediction. That's Tim Shaw. I'm going to predict that's Tim Shaw. Three thousand four hundred seven years later, just because I can see the energy around him and the way he mm-hmm. looks black. I can comment about the TARDIS console room. Yeah. This console room, I want again. I want to like it. It's, well, one, it looks very small. It looks like there's a lot of space around it. So I like that, but it's all black, so we can't get anything. It's so dark, though. It very, very. Dark. I lo- this is the, the, the of, like this, the roundel like. This is definitely going back to the kind of the Eccles intended RTV console room, which is you had the roundels, but they were surrounded by um, hexagons.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's fine. I, I don't have a problem with that. I like the blue. It's you know, they've got the neural inhib- some neural inhibitors, got the subtitles on and such, so I can see what yeah. they're reading. Saying this planet King will harm their minds unless they have the neural inhibitors. Okay, feels a little bit maybe like uh, Ghost Monument again, a little bit yeah, landing yeah. on this. Derelict, looks like a ship that's spinning. What's that? It's spinning. It looks like. What if that have anything to do with that spinning? Uh, looks like maybe a molecular unit, molecule chain.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean about the yeah. new TARDIS control room. I, I haven't feel, even at the end of the series, like I haven't really got a sense of it. Um, yes. And um, it's a bit like, the I guess, the Eccleston Tenet one, where it's not immediately obvious that there are more rooms off it at the moment, yes. either um, it, there's no sense that the companions have explored it, even, or anything.
2: Mm-hmm. No, you're right. I think I think there's a comic, I think it was the Lost Dimension comics, which brought together most of the, all do- well, the Doctors, but mm-hmm. more so the new series. I think they said that the it's funny. I wrote a story years ago for fun called Under the Stairs, which had Eccleston's master... Well, me- oh, I said master for a reason. Mm-hmm. Eccleston's doctor with Rose in, after Dol- um Where was it set? I think between The Long Game and Father's Day, where Eccleston and Rose explore the TARDIS, and there's a, there's a doorway. And...
0: The master because they encounter an android version of Jacobi's master. I tried to tie into it somehow Scream of the Shock. I adapt it. Not the Scream of the Shock was part of the continuity, mm-hmm. but that the master in the time where it became an android. I don't know how that fits now, yeah. it doesn't, but I the night nice doctor Jacobi story. But I agree with you about that. Um well just so you know my the has uh, gone to a um, um, ad, so you want not know, ah. here I think I'm sorry so with you um yeah, the console room, if we're going to do the top of that, you know, to see where we're on the episode, you've got this one guy. He looks familiar. He's got a gun on Jody. It looks like he's probably affected by the planet, and he doesn't have a neural inhibitor, I'm guessing. He's probably affected by the planet. His mind's gone or
1: something. Yeah,
0: Jody's this,
1: there. This is uh, Mark Addy, who uh, I guess he's, he's probably most famous for the first series of Game of Thrones.
0: Um, oh, I've never seen Game of Thrones. I've never watched
1: it. Uh, right. He's, he's in The Full Monty as well, uh, the British film...
0: Uh, oh, I've, no, I've, heard of, I've heard of that but I've never seen I guess some, some of my friends joke with me that I'm very puritanical but I have very my, my own I, I never watch anything that has um, you know nudity or sexual content like that yeah. but I don't mean to you know look down upon people that do but that's just one of my first things I never have so I, I, I will never watch Game of Thrones and mm. Full Monty I think has to do with stripping right
1: uh, yeah male strippers yeah some male strippers um, but there's not really any graphic content in it I wouldn't oh it. well
0: that's good the I watch um, it's just a personal thing, um, um, but uh, mm. but maybe that's why I haven't seen him. But um, he says I'm in a battle now. The battle, maybe the battle of Ron Scott whatever that is. Oh, it's quite. He can't remember. No. So, so maybe he's in a loop or maybe. I'll say one more thing about the console room. When we're mm-hmm. about that. Um, before I move on with an episode of Seth, consuming it, because I'll get lost in the episode. Is yeah. any, you're right. If if anything, it feels probably too much like. Looks too much like maybe the, the RTD era console. I would have preferred something just like how both Matt Smith and then Peter Capaldi's consoles look so different. Mm-hmm. This looks like it's a throwback. The uh, throwbacks are fine, but it looks so much like a throwback. The coral, that coral console, I, I mean, the um, column, I'm not so sure about. I don't. I think a simple column should look like a column, either attached or with a, a sawed off top. Yeah. Black top, but not, not just a column. But, so it's all right, but, it, but I think they should explore it more. But I mentioned a bit, Lost Dimension Comics. Funny enough, I mentioned had a door in like my story wrote, It looks like the Lost Dimension he said something a door that can slide
1: up or something, mm-hmm. for
0: the Echo era. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Pretty interesting. Yeah, I enjoyed the Lost yeah. Dimension. That was, is um, it Kevin Scott? Yes, um, yes. And um, I can't remember his, his co-writer's name. George Mann, I think, yeah, was he, it? He,
0: uh, Kevin Scott also works a guy named Mark Wright, but uh, I don't know if that was Mark Wright or not, like. I haven't read the comic, but uh, yeah. the audios, Kevin thought whatever he wrote an audio, he would, uh, he would write with a guy named Mark Wright. Um, yeah. I spoke with Kevin, I don't know him too well, but I spoke with him before. He's a very nice man when I was writing Times Champion. I had to use some things, like, are you going to use Nimrod or not and anything else? I might want to use him in Times Champion. And he said, oh no, at the time they had no plans, but they ended up doing Twilight Sand. That's why I sent um, Project... Project Twilight. Oh, it's the twi- yes. yes was the last yeah. one with the Seventh Doctor and Hex on it. Mm-hmm. But um, they're very nice.
1: So we've uh, there's a message on the view screen here. It's a voice that the, the cast all recognize. Uh, I guess... Oh, uh, uh, that has yeah. to be Tim Shaw. Am I right? Was I right in
0: my prediction?
1: Yes. Yeah, it's Tim Shaw. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes, it is. Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Well... Um, I didn't expect any returning villain when they said I know that voice I saw in the trailer last week I didn't expect anyone else in fact that's kind of what I, was th- what I thought Tim Shaw and when I saw that creature that is immaterial I thought oh that's probably Tim Shaw mm-hmm. the sense is fine um, but I he's menacing enough but um, kind of thing, I mentioned Star Trek Continues their last episode they did which was to through the fi- end of the five year mission the original Captain Kirk ship I was slightly torn on that on their killing someone now that's it I was torn because I felt the storyline that they did is, brought back characters from the very first episode of Star Trek. I felt that was appropriate, mm-hmm. but the story itself I felt was so unlike Star Trek and other myths. also like, many humans have psychic powers and such. I felt it was appropriate thematically, but it, it, that story had some, I just said, oh, it's almost unlike Star Trek story I've seen. Here, similar in that it's appropriate for this series. Maybe it's just like the Sarah Jane Adventures. Whenever they said, oh, a special guest is showing up in the Sarah Jane Adventures. When Nicholas Courtney was still alive, I thought, oh, Boy. the Brigadier? No, no, it's Luke Smith. <laughs> okay, it's appropriate for its era, it's appropriate yeah. for its time, but that doesn't give me much of an emphasis. Like okay, the stenza, mm-hmm. okay, makes sense. Nothing exciting, but not too exciting. But maybe they'll give him some bit of expansion.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a good <laughs> idea to try and create new returning villains and things like that, isn't it? But uh yeah, well,
0: what the heck is this? Yeah, is that a key to time? It looks like it. looks like a key. To, oh, it's too big.
1: Yeah, I thought that in the, the pre publicity it sort of looked like a key to time segment or the dodecahedron or something like that. But, uh,
0: yes, you know, funny enough, I think Megalos is not, I think one of like the one of, I think, I, I, I and I've seen it, I don't remember anything about Megalos. Mm. So, well, no, I do, I do, but uh, very little. That's, well, let's just say that's a story I don't remember for some reason too well, but it's all right. I want to, I'll have to watch it again. Most things I can remember. Megalos, I don't really remember. Yeah, was, it's
1: getting, getting a, a Blu-ray release uh, soon isn't it when um, when season 18 comes out on Blu-ray so I'm sure it'll be uh, get kind of a new lease of life then everybody re-watching it
0: well Megalos was supposed
1: to be in the larger I think um, yeah that's right yeah uh, Gareth Roberts wanted the alien upstairs to be Megalos um, but then because uh, Russell T Davis had put those um, aliens in the end of time who look a bit cactus Yes. um that's why they decided not to do it yeah
0: they not you they' called
1: yeah. okay and
0: Orion's noticed something here so they're talking about what this battle was and what this this there's something inside that that crystal yeah that's like spinning I'm not sure something dark she's so got then... a briefing now what the mission was he doesn't remember too well so okay so so it looks like this episode's been kind of being... like it, If I'm going to make any predictions, it looks like this episode's being set up as kind of a quest. They've got to go find, obviously, his crew. And if the as it Senza, he's it probably got other hostages.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And clearly, Graham's arc is going to be... I'm, this is this is, this is is just, you know, what it would be. It's, it's, he's probably going to have to deal with whether or not he wants to probably kill... You can see his face, Brandon Walsh is a great actor. You can see he's thinking, oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So these
0: kind of darkened within him.
1: Yeah, so this is this is a bit of a theme of this episode is, um, is Graham wanting to avenge grace
0: and that, you know that's very natural that's very Ooh. and i think that's a great um, that's a great uh motivation and it's really we put them at odds maybe at odds with the doctor let's see in the quarry it's a beautiful quarry there's nothing wrong of quarry sharks
1: yeah it, it looks great definitely
0: why is, is it the dyspraxia is or that's just the uh, nature of the planet i think it's probably more the nature of the planet but hmm. i don't keep grandma's doctor. Oh, I hope this is about what he wants to do. My was I've seen so many episodes in other series that you can it, you can recognize the tropes, but it's good. Yeah. It's how the character's
2: okay, he Okay, yeah. he is making a stand. I like that.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting <laughs> that he comes out and says it to the Doctor that it yes. isn't something he's just thinking on his own, thinking, right, if I get my chance... I'm going to kill Tim Shaw He very much just comes out and says, This is what I'm going to do. Yeah.
2: Now she She's like, Can I can't have you travel. What do I think about mm. she's now she's making the counter statement which is if if you kill him, you will no longer travel with me.
1: Yeah.
2: It's and he said, well, I like that he says, okay, I'm fine with it.' That. I, I, I that's that's pretty good. I like that he wants to, that he's making a statement. He's making his stand. Mm. The Doctor's stance can't travel with me anymore. I'm trying to think if companions have ever killed anybody before. You know, I'm not, you know, not
0: or negative. I'm just thinking if companions have killed anyone. I
2: think... You
0: know, um, think um, uh, I can call the whole... I guess I'm trying to remember the whole series. Leela. Leela. Yeah. Um, but Leela killed some people. She still traveled with the Doctor. Um,
1: I think thinking back to, to earlier on in this series, I think um, Ryan effectively killed... Um, Krasko. Because yes. I think what he says is um, that he sent him way back in time. So, you know, if he sent him back to prehistoric times or, or times before there was an atmosphere, um, yes. he yes. did basically kill him at that point.
0: Did he ever tell the doctor what he did? I think he did, but did he say. Yeah, yeah he did. Yes, he
1: did. Yes, I sent it back. It's oh, not a really. on, yeah.
0: Again, Brandon also is a good actor. I've really enjoyed him in this series just because. um maybe watching this will help me to say some of the things I have enjoyed in the positive. And I've enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I don't make sure I've I not hated this because I felt disconnected, maybe. But if um, but, uh, Bradley Walsh has been green, I like his, you can see the subtlety of his face. Mm-hmm. It's good to talk with you and then someone else while I'm watching this. Okay, that thing that they're approaching looks a lot like what that, the uh, the, the the black actor, the black character was doing, what he was building. It's much more advanced looking, but probably the same lake
1: looks yeah.
0: What's she got there? Backpack. Okay, communicators. She likes the gadgets. That's fine, mm-hmm. but it looks like they've been taken from someone else. Yeah, feels good. Grenades, grenades.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of kind of gadgety oh. things in this series where they've had. Um, I think the companions had the the translation chips implanted yeah. in in the ghost monument. The, I think they call them com dots in the Tsuranga conundrum. There's a lot of yeah. kind of uh, artificial enhancements and things like that on there. And then here they've got the, the, uh, the, the neural blockers. And Inhibitors. The, yeah, they've got the, uh, the, the, the the throat mic things as well.
0: Okay. I like the way that I guess. I'm not sure what I think about... Ryan just brought of anything neat because remember the ghost, you mentioned the ghost monument. In the ghost monument, there was a big scene where she was very preachy. And she said, no guns, never use a gun. And then he goes out there and he tries to shoot this yeah. stuff off and then he nearly gets killed he comes back. And she's like, see what I mean? Then she has the completely CMP like bomb p bomb that's already there, to absolutely working. Fine. But he just thinks about I thought you said no guns. It's like, oh, it's a flexible creed. Or yeah. a flexible gun. I'm like, hmm. How is that gonna, how is that gonna work with, um you will know be interesting to get a prediction? She says it's flexible. No guns, violence, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Use it on, let's say, doors and walls and all that. Things that can't be killed. Graham is saying he wants to kill Tim Shaw. It will be very interesting if the doctor later in the episode, something happens because it's you know, some big buildup or whatever, maybe he's done some atrocity or she sees what the sense do. It'd be very interesting. She wants to kill him. And maybe Graham talks her down. That would be an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Neat little reversal, show his character development and all that stuff if that happens I... again I like
1: that they're focusing on him yeah it's, well, in, it's interesting, it's interesting where, a where you draw the line because she says about buildings and doors and things can be destroyed but um, yeah. you know the robots aren't sentient they can be rebuilt so it's it's interesting to, yeah. to have Ryan I think questioning the doctor's rules a little bit there because um, yeah, so, they don't stand yeah. up to, to scrutiny really so she's just saying well it's flexible yeah
0: Contradictions are, and I, so contradictions are fine. Um, there's the well I like Walt Whitman as a poet. He says, do I contradict myself? Yes, I contradict myself. I contain multitudes. Who knows what? But I don't quote much poetry, but I remember that because it's like a line. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm fine with contradictions. But um, I, I, I prefer it if, they, if it has something to do with the story, if it builds into that, maybe it is a... Ch- I don't like it when people challenge the Doctor too much mm-hmm. because, again, I see the Doctor as like a godlike figure and, then, and a good figure and therefore shouldn't... Um, and who's got like I, I like thinking that Taimos don't use their powers so much because they would destroy the universe. They're that powerful. Um, that's how I see the Taimos. It's just very, like I said, they might have forgotten who they are because of
2: Rathalon, maybe, or they are right? like they're conscientious. Mm. I think well, yes. we have Ryan and Graham together again. <laughs> now
0: Ryan's wearing a cap. That's <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, um, she might. She would want to be alive. I like that response. You know, mm-hmm. she wouldn't. Ryan says Grace wouldn't want. Nad wouldn't want you to do this. She says she want to be alive. She likes being alive. That's
1: good. She's trying to justify herself. I get that. Yeah, I think going back to what you're yeah, saying I there, I think um, in a way, the thirteenth Doctor is a bit of a throwback to the earlier Doctors in the the kind of the idea that um, they're just a stranger passing through and helping out. Yeah. Rather than some of the, the the grandstanding that you get with the with the modern modern doctors about you know kind of um, protecting the earth and and that that kind of thing, I do I do maybe slightly yeah. prefer that sort of because um, she doesn't talk about being a time lord. She doesn't say I'm the Doctor, I'm a time lord, I'm thousands of years old, and that kind of stuff as much as some okay. of the more recent doctors have done.
0: Yes when talking to the sniper shut up. That was a nice thing, but there, I'm sorry, snipers are useless. Yeah, are <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty. It's nice to have that throwback as episode two. That's kind of cool. So maybe, maybe, mm. maybe Kraska was going to show up. Maybe all the, maybe my friend was right, and maybe there will be a time for all the other episodes. But I can't see how Robertson. Robertson will be here or the Pating no. or things like that. But but the sniper bots, eh, they look nice, but. They're pretty useless. I mean, it would yeah. be nice if when Ryan said, okay, let's duck. Let's follow them and then just yeah. shoot they maybe have an injury. But no, they just, oh, let's, I, guess, I guess our targets are, are us.
1: Yeah. I guess they're like the stormtroopers in Star Wars, aren't they? That uh, yeah. they, they can't hit anything. Yeah. They
0: can't hit anything. No comment on what Jodie Whitaker just said. Well, she's, got, she's mm. showing the thing on her back. That looks so funny. Uh, I, I hope that thing is like, And that must have been murder for Jodie walking around with yeah. backpack and mat. Thing on, as an actress, for all these puppy hours and uh, every day.
1: The Ux can uh, can can create things with the power of their minds and, and alter the universe. Um, okay. Uh, and they they live for millennia, but there's only two of them. Um, They're a bit like the Tajarians, I guess, that the doctors heard of them but, but never met them before. Well,
0: yeah well she's asking about the other oaks. yeah next question if he dead the, 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 black, the, the male oaks,
1: the black ox is he dead uh, we were going to see him again shortly uh, so. okay one thing I do like this episode is, is the way everyone gets split up uh, yeah. they've all got a subplot I think some of them there's some episode a bit like the Saranga Conundrum and um, Arachnids in the UK where it tends to be a huge group of people walking around together yes and it looks yes. a little bit clumsy, whereas here they've all got their individual tasks and they're each discovering different things.
0: You know, you're right. I mean, when I you mentioned I was the author of Times Champion, when I wrote Times Champion, that was the big thing for me. Is I thought, I've got a rather large cast in this story. I've got to split them up, otherwise it'll be 30. Well, I don't want to exaggerate, you, but no, we've got 30 people just standing around doing nothing. And yeah, So they've got a nice little
2: room with a little glowing sphere or something. And what do they have? more of those faux key to time shapes, yeah. I guess <laughs> they've all got something. I can see something spinning inside, whatever it is is, mm-hmm. four others. huh? I think the I like the, set.
1: the first half of this does really set up the mystery quite well of what's going on here.
2: Yes. I've, I've looked at the time code now on, on my device watching is we're about halfway through the episode. It's mm-hmm. yeah, they are setting it up very well. Um, not a lot lots happened, but, um, yeah, that's fine, you know, sometimes that's okay if you do the setup. But I'm, but not a lot has happened, except the sniper bots. <laughs> the sniper bots probably didn't need to be there. If you were gonna have them probably ha- I would have had maybe one of the companions injured since this is a finale. Not killed, that's sort of injured the sense of okay there's some danger, but that's just me. Looks like Ryan. I like you right. So the episodes where have had if you've got four people in the TARDIS, as a big group. Oh, something's hand Beltraki's crew contained
0: this is probably where the is keeping his victims
1: yeah it's they, about- they do talk in the first episode about how they, they keep people in stasis uh, so mm-hmm. it sort of, uh, pays off from that
0: well wonderfully somehow Matt Graham's first try turned on everything <laughs> <laughs> turned on all the lights it's fine you can't, that's always a tough thing with alien technology you know you can't ex-
1: you don't have time to explain it so you might as well get it right the first time yeah. <laughs> operating it um it, uh, it, it doesn't but, particularly feel like a season finale or, or not what we used to.
2: No, um, we'll no. I mean, if so I were far. to rate this as a, since this is a finale, if I were to rate... The problem is the finales. This This feels more like... um, I'm trying to think of... This feels much more like a classic series finale mm. where it was never like, oh, it's about to end. But since this is a new series finale, since we, for most of the eyes, will be comparing it to that, this does not feel like a finale because you're, you're going up against the likes of... Was he Parting in the Ways, the Dalek Invasion there, Doomsday, Dalek Siren Invasion, last mm-hmm. of the time was a master on the Toclophane. The, uh, tel- there's Tim Shaw, we both think, oh, I like this set though, I like the colors.
1: Yeah, and yeah. the two sort of huge, um, like kind of uh, artificial lungs or whatever that are going up and down in the background. Oh, it yes. Looks, it looks terrific. It's yeah.
2: beautiful. I guess, so there's the Doctor. And, um... So I like his costume. His face, it's okay, maybe the teeth stuff is a little silly, but um, maybe if they've been like from other races, you know, sharp teeth, but, like human teeth, means a little yeah. Un- yeah. unthreatening. So sending the female looks away. So it has been 3,407 years for him.
1: It has. Yeah. Yeah.
2: hope that the lots happen because whenever you have this situation where it's like thousands of years later for another person, if they're just sitting there for that long, <laughs> it's always a sense of it throws my disbelief a little bit askew because, it's like, well, I can understand if it's been a few years, but mm-hmm. if it's like, oh, it's a million years later, it's like, what have you been doing
0: for a million years? Um,
1: yeah, there's a little bit yeah. of sense there because, uh, to begin with, when they first heard his oh, voice yeah. when they were on board Paltraki's ship and they were saying, well, how can it be Tim Shaw? Because the Doctor believes <laughs> that she sent him home. When he teleported at the end of the woman who fell to earth, you think he could still have they're a spacefaring race you know it's um, even if he had gone home he would still then be um, be able to uh, be able to move around different planets uh, can mm-hmm. you get a sense of the scale of the the Stenzer Empire I think in uh, in the ghost monument as well
0: yes but what have you made them do? Just- He's mentioning there the high knowledge of the Stenza. So again, like mm-hmm. you said, the shape of the Empire, I, the problem, I guess my problem with this one problem with the is that same thing that, okay, so I'm mentioning Star Trek films. Star Trek Nemesis, the last one, I've seen it after it came out years later, but mm. Oh, I like that one moment with the sense where he's, like, breathing, and so he's very weak. He's like a little Darth Vader-style thing that's pretty cool, or maybe kind of love Darth Vader. Star Trek Nemesis, you know, dealing with the Romulans, the Remans, things we hadn't seen before in Star Trek. But one of my best friends, his name is Field, he said that that story felt like it was very low-budget, like that the Enterprise was the only ship in the Federation, the only, if you deal with the Romulan Empire, the only ship you're going to see is, I think it was called the Scimitar, this massive ship. With The point is that, Stens just me a little bit of that, and this, I'm not sure that that's not a good thing, which is Massive Empire, we've never seen. Sure, they, they're being introduced, but we haven't seen their empire. All we see is Tim Shaw, and he is alone. It's a little hard to say, oh, the Stens are going to do this, so all you see is this one crippled guy. Yes, he's using the Ux, but that, that only deals with him. I, I, I'm mm. not sure if the Stens are themselves are credible for because we see nothing of them except him.
1: Yeah. And he's
0: like a sheep.
1: We've just seen kind of the aftermath in the ghost monument of um, of like a world that they've been to, haven't we? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Lions trying to convince.
0: It looks like they've got these things actually. They're trying to get probably the people out of them, since the hostage itself. Yeah. Needs a better marriage.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things in this one, the the stakes maybe because we haven't seen any of Paltraki's crew. Before they're mm-hmm. captured, and then even as they're being released, they're, they're kind of non speaking extras. Okay. So I guess we maybe we don't feel that much of an attachment to them.
0: No, I mean, they're just people floating in there. You know, you, you feel a modicum of compassion, a sense of yeah. danger, but it just looks like it's a couple people. Well, I think you said there are a couple dozen, so maybe mm-hmm. it's like 15 or 12 or whatever, maybe 10, 20 or something. But um, I don't, did they say how many are contained um, in the. In the?
1: I'm not sure. Yeah, there's quite a few sort of survivors uh, of the battle that have been uh, been put in there. But yeah, I don't oh, know.
0: She's, she's asking what the thing is. I don't know, again, the whole puny mind can you I don't know, that throwback. It's a little hard because the doctor has a, recently shown us it, very powerful and godlike. And he's and therefore she still is. She still is.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: being in a situation where she's always feeling one step behind. Oh, no, okay, well, okay. So there's the other hooks. Yeah. Hooked up to some machine. It's a little hard to have sympathy for for this female lady because she's clearly a, a, an acolyte and a zealot, but she seems like a good woman. Uh, it's a little hard for me to understand. She keeps saying we can't understand a creator's will, but, you know, it's... it's it seems a little too naive. She's this very powerful person who lived for millennia. It seems a little naive that this guy that just shows up, she's going, well, that's our creator. We have to do whatever he says. And he's clearly the younger one, the less experienced. She's saying, he's an evil person. He's doing terrible things if you're good. Mm It's a little hard for me to know who the, not the male, but the female. It's like, I would expect more from, at this point, you know, granted we barely know, but I expect more from a character like that. She was very wise and everything, else. she's just blindly going clearly when horrible things are being done. We don't know what those are yet, because you're saying, what are you doing?
1: Yeah. I'd say, basically, this you've hit on on kind of probably my biggest problem with the episode, um, is that the the two Uks, um have met Tim Shaw. Presumably, we don't get to see the conversation, but presumably he arrives and they say, are you the creator? And he goes, Yes, yes, I am the creator. Uh, and from that point on, they do. For 3,407 years, they do exactly what he says, unquestioningly. Um, which yeah. we're about to find out is um is some pretty uh pretty nasty stuff. Well, okay, so she's
0: saying you built a weapon? Mm-hmm. She says no to stop. Oh, well, that's
1: nice, she's wearing it. So uh, yeah, we're gonna uh, gonna see the uh, the weapon being fired up now.
0: I missed, did they see what the weapon does?
1: I don't think they've mentioned it yet. I think we're about to find out.
0: Okay, because I have mean, you know i you know, been watching this too, mm-hmm. seeing and listening to you know seeing the subtitles. Or, me, to it. Um, I don't have subtitles on here. I have a very low volume, but I can hear it. She's running.
1: So I think because possibly I'm, I'm a little ahead of you now. Then that's um,
0: oh okay because you know yeah. I, I'm dealing with these um, um ads so I have to kind of ah through them. i
1: we got you, yeah
0: and they're spinning now I might be maybe a few seconds behind you then mm-hmm. I like the sets have definitely been
1: yeah it, um, so,
0: wait, it wait 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 they stole five planets yeah they stole planets yeah Whatever. that's just like the stolen Earth.
1: Yeah, well, this is this is the thing. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the Pirate Planet, and a little bit of the Stolen yeah, the Earth. The
0: yes.
1: Um, and
0: yes, yes, like,
1: like Yeah, and a little bit the later planet. on in, in the episode, the Doctor even makes a reference to the Stolen Earth because she says um, she's talking about the TARDIS, and she said, "Well, I, I used this TARDIS, I I dragged the Earth halfway across the universe." So it even oh, okay. it's like it even reminds the Doctor of the Stolen Earth, um, <laughs> but the. Uh, <laughs> But I, mean, <laughs> I guess the difference here is that oh. that these planets have been destroyed. They have been kind of, you know, condensed down uh, and it's wiped out. So whereas in the stolen Earth, you know, the Earth and the other planets were still intact, uh, oh. these ones have been destroyed. So it is a bit more like the pirate planet where they've uh, where they've done Another. that. So uh, so yeah, the Ux are responsible for mass genocide. Yeah.
0: Technology is not stable. That's fine. if you see someone explaining it, um, maybe that's one thing that's been a little tough with me and Jodie Whittaker's doctor is that they are still doing this. this she's still techno babble doctor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Some people brought up a very good point that, um, and maybe this isn't kind, but because of her accent, and it's often been. This has been a criticism, so it's valid in the sense it exists because of her accent. Jodie Whittaker, like you you're from the north, right? You said from you're from Carlisle. Yes, yeah. There you go. I remember. <laughs> She, like Christopher Eccleston, her accent is very, is essentially, if you were to, if you were to applaud it a lot as a sound, it's like, you know, it's very broad mm-hmm. and it has these ups and downs. To do Technobabble like that, you could say it, but since it's by nature long words and very scientific, some people have made the criticism that, you have to say it very quickly. You almost have to have an accent that's very, bup, 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 bup. syllables are much closer together in a similar length. Mm. And therefore it takes longer because she has a broad accent that will draw out the accents of syllables. Now, whether or not it's true or not, it's an interesting thing, but that's something I've heard. But I will make the comment that her that her as a, a techno battle doctor, I'm not sure if it fits her because, you know, she we haven't seen the engineer, anything like her as an engineer. She made the stomach her, but that's it. And then it almost seems like whenever she uses it, if, she, if it doesn't come up with an answer, she's like, "Oh, I'm lost. I don't know what this is." Or the Sonic of ever can answer it. And then it comes out through techno babble, like with the solar tracks in the last episode. She's like, oh, "I don't know what's happening. Oh, maybe it's a solar trap."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then she pulls it out of nowhere. Now Tim Shaw's. I'm at the point where Tim Shaw is escaping, and he's moving. He's got a cape now.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't think he had a keep before, but okay.
1: So the I guess uh... we're gonna have a Graham uh, uh, Tim Shaw uh, uh, altercation.
0: And is going, but yeah, is staying with her. Yeah, interesting.
1: So the Earth is now okay. the target of, of Tim Shaw's kind of super weapon.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I can see it. Where I am in the episode, I might be a little behind you by a few seconds, but uh, yeah, it's being enveloped by kind of a, 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 kind of a red field. And now the uh, sniper bots are there, and, and they're attacking Graham, and oh, they just got blown away again, of course, by, excuse me, bye.
1: Yeah, so I, my initial thought was initial the, the threat thought. to the Earth here, because you don't get to see what's happening on Earth while this is going on, it, it's uh, it's a little, you know, kind of difficult to see what the threat is, and we don't know how long the process is going to take to shrink the so planet you see, down. You don't, you don't
0: see in the episode at all? You don't see any uh, reactions from Earth? You don't go to Earth at all?
1: No, but then I thought the reason for that is probably because there's no time travel here, so this is Earth. Sure. Three thousand four hundred and seven years in the future, isn't it? So this is um, like fifty fifth century Earth.
0: Well, the fifty fifth century Earth, if you know Doctor Who, it's slightly past the era of Magnus Greel, and there's a little bit of question of when the Ice Warriors' original story was second mm-hmm. Earth Ice Age, is that the thirtieth century or not? But so it's Ice Age time. There are humans on Earth. Um, let's see. This is two thousand eighteen. Two thousand eighteen. Fifty eighteen um, 5418, 5425, 5425, mid-55th century Earth is a fairly unexplored era of Doctor Who, but it's, um, I feel like the Doctor now, mid-54th century Earth, 55th century Earth, excuse me, raw, okay, time agents, Captain Jack era, like I said, Magnus Creel is about 300, 400 years earlier, okay, okay, maybe the Earth is less popular, but even so, they're not reduced,
1: but they, but they haven't explained to us if is that's is that in the future, is it? Well, I so, think there's, there's no time travel here, I, I don't think. This is, uh, Tim Shaw from 2018 was sent to uh-huh. this planet, uh, and then okay. 3,407 years have passed. Because so, this was the other thing with the stolen planets, I wondered at first if this tied into Demons of the Punjab, because the jurians in that Talk about uh, their planet disappearing, and I thought oh. Oh, I wonder if it, that is like a bit of a stolen Earth or that uh, season, the series four kind of arc where they find out about some missing planets. But again, because there's no time travel and that is set uh, in the 1940s, it's it's well, yes, yeah, so it's well before uh, Tim Shaw. Was sent to this planet so he couldn't, and, and there isn't any sense that oh. they can, they're can they plucking these planets out of time as well as space. So I think that's a totally well, that was, unrelated Yeah,
0: I think they did nicely in series four, was you kind of said that the, the, the arc in series four was maybe less, was much more subtle than Bad Wolf or Saxon or Torchwood. Torchwood mm-hmm. might have been old too, you know, why are they missing Torchwood every episode? But there was a whole idea of every time there's all oh, planets missing. I don't wonder if that means something. I don't think they mentioned anything except for the, 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 the Jarians about missing planets. I'm just saying where I am in the episode, which is her trying to, Jodie's now trying to convince Mrs. Hughes, let's just call yeah. her Mrs. Hughes, to, um, to rebel against their, their, their god, essentially, their
1: creator.
0: Yeah. Like I said, I have a little sympathy for her because she just seems, when push comes to show, she seems like a very weak character. It's like, oh, no, we will believe, we don't understand, but I have faith a villainous person comes along, oh, you must be the creator, I must do whatever you say for 3,407 years doing yeah. terrible things. In that case, with that amount of time, given how fast this weapon seems to working, you would think they would have taken more than five planets.
1: Yeah, I think it, it's taken them a while to hone the technology, I think, is, uh, Maybe so. is part of the explanation. There.
0: Okay, and then it takes a while, it's fine, but it's not stable, like she said. Is that... Oh, yippee, that's great. I like <laughs> that. That was funny. I think Graham is still far the best character, definitely. But these, so these planets are. She says mass is returning, so she can't. She can't lift it. Oh, mm-hmm. Well, okay, if the mass is returning, you would think that that, that whole place would be shaking apart. Just being yeah. honest, five planets, yeah. gravitational fields. If a mass is no, no I, I, I'm i have got to be honest. I, I'm assuming there's got to be a little. In my opinion, you've got to have some real stakes here because th- this planet should be ripping apart.
1: I think the planet you...
0: should be ripping apart.
1: I think the mass is returning not... quite slowly.
0: <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe, maybe it's slow. But, uh, yeah. Okay, so I can live with that, but it... I guess... Yeah, see, can I think of the end of time? When the end of time happened, when Gallifrey started appear, the Earth started to really shake. This planet would be torn apart by Gallifrey's gravity, which is larger than the Earth, clearly.
2: Yeah. Lucky them, it's a slow thing, because otherwise this
0: planet Okay, I guess it obviously is being affected by the neural by the planet now.
1: So, the, yeah, they've they've taken off the uh, the neural uh, blockers. Yes,
0: they block the signals.
1: Yeah, to to give them to the to the hooks, yeah.
0: Yes. Well, that's, again, it's a, it's always a little trope, something simple from the episode, an eight-time episode after it becomes like the MacGuffin or the idea is to solve yeah. part, be part of the thing and solve it.
1: Yeah, but again, it's a bit well, like that- uh, we mentioned the flesh-eating bacteria in the water in the um, in the ghost monument. The, yeah. the field on the planet then doesn't really come to anything in this one. It doesn't uh, It doesn't really affect them that much.
0: Well, you know, I think the best example of a field of a planet affecting something with su- is survival. Yes. Well, when, yeah. when it, when, 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 that was one of the scariest things for me, watching that, was when the Masters, and then when the Doctor got the yellow eyes, I, mm. I was very scared. I'm at the point now where Tim Shaw, I Graham, Graham's playing in, but the gun. Ryan's already escaped with the... Pri- like You were right, non- these prisoners are non-speaking. It's like, probably, it probably looks like there's about 30 of them, but... But,
1: uh, You don't get any real connection no, to no, them, I think. Yeah. No.
0: No connection with them. Is Ryan going to go back? Well, Poltrakki is leaving, and maybe that's less... Maybe that's, that could be an extra stage left. Ryan's going back. Is he going to save Graham? Is Graham going to... Sh- I, I kind of hope Graham kills Tim Shaw, tries to, but Tim Shaw should be... They built known to be a god-like character if he's going to be taken out by a bull as quote-unquote bullet. And yet you falter, he says. "There's that's the chart landing. am I'm, I'm probably about a minute behind you or so, but... I'm not sure there was one moment where Jodie said, universe, give me a sign or, or help me out here, please. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't... Doctor's never called upon the universe.
1: Yeah, the only time I could think of is in the Christmas special, The Snowmen, where the Doctor sort of tries to make a deal with the universe to save Clara or something, but I I don't really like that anyway, it's like that sort of uh, cosmic ordering idea, isn't it, where people ask the universe for something and... Yeah, I,
2: I don't like that at all. I mentioned about the Guardians before. That's why I tried to not depower the Guardians, but in my little head, kind of set them up as ancient time lords that have yeah. uh, fallen or whatever, or cast out into the – can barely leave the Matrix. I have this little set thing set up. I can explain it but one time. But the point is I've never liked the idea of the Doctor – if he ever does, he might just be saying it. I, because it's almost like, well, what, the, what is this cosmological order? In my opinion, the cosmological order, it's not the time somewhere in the middle. The time are at the pinnacle, and, the, and they don't do anything. The doctor is the cosmological order because the doctor is the one that does something good, that gets out and does something good. Selfless. And so I don't see the doctor as appealing to any cosmological force. I never like that. I think the doctor is the cosmological force.
1: Yeah. It's,
2: now, she's separating the dematerialization. Yeah, just that. Was, yeah. That was a little different.
1: For me, I like the sort of the poety doctor of being rational and rational thinking and scientific. Yeah. Yes.
2: Oh yes, it was wonderful. This weird because there's another thing about now that now you reminded me. I felt weird a couple of things in the early episodes. In the Saranga conundrum, where the Jody volunteers to take part in the in the funeral rites, and then when she in episodes in of the up where she where she she accepts the um, the invitation to be to marry the to marry the um, Priam and. and uh, whatever his name was. Hmm. Uksan, whatever. Um, oh, he's got this light, Tim Shaw. He's going to blast him. Oh, yeah, because Graham is decided not to shoot him, which is nice, predictable, probably.
1: Yeah.
2: Graham shoots him in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Tim Shaw is, not, is very menacing, but he's, he's not, um, in my opinion, he's just not threatening as a character, because he's not bulletproof. But what I was saying is the doctor volunteering to take part in the funeral rites... I don't know, it just felt too we've never we've seen I know she stayed for for Grant, Grace's funeral in the first episode, but we've never seen whenever the doctor's go to funerals or anything like that, and this is across all the doctors. And I'm sure maybe someone can come as an example, but I'm having trouble thinking of anything, is where the doctor actually volunteers to take part in a in a religious rite mm. or some type of you know, passage rite. Oh no. I'm going to hope that's not like what I said with Missy being having empathy because of a woman. I hope that's not because she's a woman. Then. Because, again, they try to market this so she's not a man or a woman, she's a time loop, and why is she doing things that no other doctor has done? And these are across other doctors. Different doctors do different things, but that out of character, who knows? But again, it
0: just reminds me of that. Oh, universe, please do this. I'm like, um. I like this effect where the TARDIS uh, lamp is kind of grabbing the planets.
1: Yeah, it's a cool effect that, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I like Very it.
0: nice effect. You know, you know what it reminds me of also? Some weird way. Maybe the remastered version of the five doctors with the, the temporal vision when the first three doctors are sent back to their own times kind of yeah. split the darkness. There's that sense of Oh, I the planets are being sent back. Or the, did they make they sent the planets back? Did they make it clear that the people on the planets are dead?
1: I think yeah, they pretty much have done, yeah, that they um that they haven't survived. They've they've just sent them back to their own place in the universe so that they don't regain all their mass and size where they are yeah
0: it was, I don't know when she when they revealed that I was hoping half hoping that Jody would, would explode with rage or something and, and, it's cause, and say Tim Shaw I didn't like for now and I'm like well, now what now what oh mm. you're just telling him to stop oh again not much of a moral stance
1: yeah so and, and the doctor doesn't actually you? get the final confrontation <laughs> there it's um it's it's Graham and Ryan that have uh, sort of defeated Tim Shaw put him in the uh, in the stasis booth while the doctors resolved the uh, I guess the kind of scientific problem of returning the planets
0: well I hate to say this but I'm wondering if this might be hopefully on their minds because the doctor's a woman now the um I'm gonna hope that not that there's not any consideration of well, will she be able to physically battle now, usually you know the physical battle, but John Purchase did a lot. Would she be able to physically battle someone like Tim Shaw? I hope it's not being done as a consideration of her gender in the sense of oh she wouldn't be able to fight a big strong guy. They've never said that, but, he- I, but she's not been busted up or had any physical confrontations. I have the closest was closest was Krasko when he tried to strangle her, but he couldn't even close his fist around her throat. Yeah. His hand.
1: I think here it's more about giving Graham the closure. <laughs> Um, sure. For 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 Grace's death. That was
0: nice.
1: But yeah, what what I felt here was there's no um, kind of rebuke to the Ux for blindly uh, going along yeah. with, with Tim Shaw's plan. They they're just sent on the way here.
2: Yes, and that was the same thing that someone mentioned. One of my friends mentioned that when he saw Kerblam. She never rebukes the system for killing um, the girl with the gifts. It's yeah. just, oh, oh, that's too bad. It's like it did a terrible thing. Shut down the system, Changes programming. It's everything is business as usual, and everyone gets a job. Yeah, it's almost. You no, know, I'm. I i do not know where you are. Maybe you're, but she's with she's saying goodbye to Poltraki now. And,
1: yeah, I'm for, and, uh, yeah, I'm about that yeah. that point as well.
2: Oh, and the Elks are wanting to go with them. I'm glad, he, I'm glad the uh, the male actor standing up to her because, frankly, she's been a terrible mentor. <laughs> she thinks, you. She's a horrible mentor. Don't do what she said. Yeah. No, no, good. Stand up for yourself because her way it leads to death. And um, But uh, I can't have too much sympathy, for, not, not as much sympathy as I want because it's like he's hooked up to a machine. If he has those powers, it makes me wonder what, what's, again, a cosmology, but let's just say a power structure. He's saying, don't do this. If they have these dimensional powers, shouldn't he be able to blow up Tim Shaw? <laughs> or at least give him a terrible, maybe suck the teeth, it threw his skin into his brain and kill him. I don't, <laughs> I think that might be against his wishes, but in the sense of why is he so, if they're so powerful, they just seem so helpless.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: and, and, and hapless even.
1: Yeah. I sort of can't decide whether they're trying to say something about religion or about religious Blood. terrorism. I hate to say
2: it, but but given that they've said a few things about, a, about another episode, I would say given that whatever there's, whenever we have a situation, I wonder if they're saying something about single fathers in the last episode, or saying something about let's just be honest, Caucasians or what you know, how white people treating blacks in Rosa. Likely, I hate to say it, and the episode's over. Um, someone said that you mentioned the titles in the video commentary. And I like them and I like the music. The titles I didn't mention what I think. I like them mm-hmm. a lot. Very pretty colors. Someone said they remind them of John Perchway's style. Uh, given maybe but in the general shape but they remind me more of the of the edges of the of the of the of the, of the whatever these things are yeah maybe a little more of Hartnell and maybe some Troughton as well they remind me more of the original stuff really
1: yeah I think it's a really yeah. good mixture of all of them I think you've got a little bit of the the time tunnel from sort of Pertwee and Baker you've got some mm-hmm. of the kind of howl around effect you've got a little bit of a star field as well from the later ones I think it's a
2: Oh, they have a trailer for the New Year's Day. Yeah. DNA. You know is that a Dalek?
1: We don't know, but it, it's, it's. I cannot.
2: She once she said that. I mean, she's on the 9th century and then Vikings, whatever, and now present day.
1: It's, it's certainly. Explosion, something coming through. Yeah, if it isn't a Dalek, then it's very heavy misdirection to make us think that it
2: yes. is. I think. Oh, it's that's got to be a I I don't know, but it's got to be a Dalek. I'm a, it's just that. You said it's either a Dalek or it's heavy misdirection. Mm-hmm. Well, that type of heavy misdirection, though, I don't know. It, um, it, um, it, sh- it should be. A- I know it's always it's often been said that there's some con- these days a contractual obligation from the nation State that they've got to have to show a, a Dalek at least once a year. That would mm-hmm. at least – there is circumstantial evidence for that in that um, in Series 6, you didn't need a Dalek, but a Dalek briefly showed up in Wedding of River Song.
1: Yeah.
2: In the gap years, the dog briefly showed up in um, Waters of Mars. I
1: mm. briefly got yeah. one in the pilot as well, haven't you, from series pilot? 10.
2: Yeah. And um, yes, you're right. They got one in the pilot oh. I because mean, they've shown up in many. Most series, they've had a substantial appearance. But the years in which there, or um, well, they they were in the beginning of series nine, but you also had them briefly. But I guess in the last episode of series nine, so that might not count because they weren't a substantial appearance. But uh, there have been a couple of years where you didn't have a doll story yet you had a doll like, cameo. Mm-hmm. Well, and then it makes sense if we are going to get the doll. If that, if let's just say I don't know, but if, if that obligation exists, it would they would probably have to. Yeah. Um, see, well, it's weird because Moffat didn't do much with the Daleks. Did I mean he did some stuff, but I don't know. There's I've never been sure what the what the ramifications or repercussions of his paradigm, new paradigm Dalek redesign. Apparently, that went over very badly, and so. Yeah. Who knows? That's that's too bad. It's RTD got a redesign and everyone loved it and, and they show them all the time. Often tries to do a redesign. Everyone hates it and I cut it and it seems like – because he seems to have admitted it in that interview he did with Crystal D in the Doctor Who show, fan show. If the creator of something has to admit it didn't work, then it must have been very bad. That's yeah. too bad. So yeah. it makes me wonder if Chibnall will redesign them or not because they didn't – obviously they didn't show them, but I don't know.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if it is the Daleks. I think, um, I mean, yes. as far as Moff is concerned, I love Asylum of the Daleks and I love Magician's oh, yes. Apprentice, which is familiar. I think they're, they're two great stories. Um, yes,
2: I, I, I agree. I, and I love, um, I might be biased in saying this because um, Phil, well, the author Phil Ford, who did Waters of Mars and also mm-hmm. in a Phil Ford is a good friend of mine. And, um, so that I'm name dropping, but I but he is. And I met him at one of the conventions, the Gallery One convention. He's such mm. a lovely man. Very, very sweet, nice man. And I really enjoyed. so I'm biased maybe, but I really enjoyed Into the Dalek. I thought he wrote an excellent story. I like that one a uh, lot
1: too, yeah.
2: Oh, it's it's wonderful, gave us rusty and all that. Yeah. Uh, but you know the aside from maybe I think of the Capaldi years, talking about dogs. Aside from the Witches Familiar and all that, you didn't see they were not a fixture in the Capaldi years, as Cybermen were. Mm. Uh they were there. they were there, but um, aside from that thing, because think of it, End of the Dalek is one Dalek, a couple of Daleks. We've mostly one Dalek. Excellent episode, but in terms of if you want to see lots of Daleks, one Dalek. Then, which is familiar as such, you have Davros. So there's some overshadowing there. Um, Magician's Apprentice, which is familiar. Pilot, one Dalek, literally, uh, and and half the screen time is not even a Dalek. It's the Heather character, whatever. And then, Rusty in Time of the Twice Upon a Time. Interesting. So. I guess I'll ask you what, do you, what do you hope, if it is a Dalek, what do you hope Chibnall does? Because what what we just saw in that trailer, this DNA has been on the earth, that reminds me of a, I think there was a 10th Doctor story called I Am A Dalek, a short reads or something, or maybe there was a Dalek's DNA cross time, maybe I'm misremembering that, I never read
1: it. But, yeah, uh, I think it was Gareth Roberts, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the quick read one. I haven't read it since it came out, so it's probably over 10 years, but that, that sounds familiar like it's an excavation or something. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah, it sounds like someone made the comment that the think it was Mike Tucker himself who wrote uh, the Doctor Audio, the Warehouse, Seventh Doctor and Mel. When Kurblam's synopsis was announced, I hope he was joking. But I'm sure he was joking. But he, um, he put this on Facebook, so it's public. He, um, he said, uh, uh, the Warehouse, everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, an episode perhaps may had a similar plot. It'd be interesting to have two episodes in the same scene that have a verifiably similar plot to another story. Even this one, actually three. This one, Stolen Earth, Pirate mm-hmm. Planet. Um, so that would be Kriblam, maps from the warehouse. This episode, the ba- the Battle of – what was it? Ronskorov Kolos. It's going to take yeah. a long time to do so. I have to come up with an acronym. Um, the Battle, let's just call it. Yeah. Um, that maps maybe them from the Stolen Earth, maybe Pirate Planet. And then if this – it's called Resolution. That's the next episode. I know that. If that's got the Daleks – and that excavation stuff, if that's mapping from I am a Dalek, like, it's, you know, it's fine. But, um, but a lot of mapping, who knows, you know, mapping, you know, connections like that. Small little callbacks are nice. I mean, um, Kerblam had a re- re- reference to, um, oh, what was it, Unicorn and the Wasp?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's nice. But the whole plots, you know, coming from it, I don't know. But um, I suppose you want me, you want me to, want, me to uh, want to know how what I thought of the episode.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, as much as you could watch it because we were talking through it as well.
2: Sure. Sure. Um, you know that that episode um, might be the best of the series, series eleven, because I felt um, when you said that you know they take a lot of time to build up the mystery. I thought that was good, but but even so, the whole first half, maybe even thirty minutes of a fifty minute episode, not a lot happened. So it's not a waste of time, no. But it is a slow start. It is a slow build up they may have been able to – maybe not, but they may have been able to do that a little more quickly. Uh, maybe could have done a little bit more with Paul Tracky's crew, like you said, because in the end, it's like, oh, we have to go find these people. And then there are more, but in the end, not a word of dialogue from them, except for the one person who's killed. But yeah. So there's, there's that, but it's, it's, it's immediate. Um, general criticisms that I've seen from other people about this series that I like, share to a certain extent is that there's not a lot of sci-fi. They, they want, I know that we went into this series knowing that this series would be more educational. And then there's been the, the counter-argument that that's more of the original intention of, of Sidney Newman's time and Verity Lambert's time, you know, the, of the Doctor being more educational. Mm-hmm. Well, people often forget. A couple interesting things about that is that people often forget that those that ethos, I've used that word a lot, was abandoned, critically, categorically abandoned, right at the start of the Troughton era, again by a different... Um, that would be um oh who would that be? That would be Innislo would that be a Lloyd? I think it was Innis Lloyd. Oh, I'm trying to remember. Probably Innis Lloyd at the very beginning, but um they had the hindsight of, in the previous three years and okay hmm. ratings are lower on these that you know, Reign of Terror, Marco Polo, um what were the other ones? Okay, um um gunfighters. Gun yeah. I'm trying to think what were his other what were his other um uh, historicals. Uh,
1: the, massacre the massacre and uh...
2: The massacre, well, the massacre is an interesting one because – but that ties into my point, which is everyone's saying, oh, it's the original intention. Well, it's a little hard to understand what, what would be the – if the original intention worked when most of those historical episodes no longer exist. So we can't directly watch Marco yeah. Polo. You certainly cannot directly watch the massacre. There's almost nothing mm-hmm. there's no, – there's no footage that exists of that episode. There's no footage that exists of the massacre. There is – there's no footage – actually, there's no footage that exists of Marco Polo. No. So you have the episodes, and maybe that was the intention, but you had no monsters in that episode. It really was educational, more like this is an event in human history. Um, So I can't, even I, I I said I'm an expert, and I think I feel that I am, but even I can't comment on that too well because I've never seen the episodes. Mm. I cannot see the episodes. I can see reconstructions. I can see telesnaps. I can hear the audio, thank goodness. But the massacre is a lot of interesting things. But, but... If you're trying to go back to that, this is an, a sense of originality, authenticity, this is the truest Doctor Who because it was meant to be educational, they fairly quickly got rid of that educational element because fans weren't liking it. And so after the Highlanders, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Black Orca, but Black Orca is not even an historical event. It's just historical by there are no aliens. Um, so the criticism has been there's not been as much sci-fi, even these episodes, and when you have these historical episodes... Punjab, Rosa, uh, Witchfinders. Those are the three, I guess. That's the question. Um, what do I think about the series? I think it's probably the, it's the strongest episode of the series. It's good, good episode to, um, in the series. Like the sci-fi elements. Mm. There were questions of whether or not the sci-fi was present too much in the series. So I was glad there was more sci-fi here. I liked the character arc for Graham, and um, and how and 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 that he didn't uh, compromise his morals, but he still made a stand. I thought the Doctor was still fairly similar, um, still room for growth. Um, Didn't make much of a moral stand herself. Uh, Tim Shaw, good to see at least some closure there. I'm sure we'll probably see him again, at least likely. Mm -hmm. But again, excuse me, I don't think he was a terribly um, threatening villain. Um, Yooks, interesting powers, but again, fairly weak character, weak more for being very religious people or maybe having a conviction they were very easily pushed around by everyone, including the Doctor, or at least influenced. Yaz again had nothing to do. Very little to do. So I think they, mm. if they want to keep going forward, I've read a press release just now that looks like in Series 12 you will have all three companions back. Yeah. Oh. Well, I think they need... like. Like I said before about other characters That are new I think they need to change Give them more to do And change it up Change things a little bit Modify it otherwise Otherwise um, Yaz will be pretty much Or at least one of these characters Companions will be Just there hmm Um But overall I thought it was a good, You know a good episode If it were a finale I think what we talked about before Did not feel like a finale episode Just by virtue of That uh, had Tim Shaw me from the beginning So it just made sense of a Mirror bookend hmm so just to finish that, it was fine. It was a fine episode. It was a, maybe an, a, an average feeling episode, better than maybe many of the other some of the other episodes at least that I felt in the series. Um, not a, compared though the finales of the past, definitely not a not a um, not really easy to compare that. I would say episode quality itself is moderate compared to that, but in terms of stakes and scale, um, it's a different category. And if that's the idea that they're going for now, that's fine. But if, if you were to try to compare it to just as recently as last year or two, a couple of years ago, very small scale. So that's maybe a bit disappointing. But overall, a, a fine, an, a good fine average episode. Probably could have been better as a finale. But maybe that position will be taken by the resolution episode. We should see.
1: Yeah, the the trailer for that does look very exciting. I think it looks like it's going to be quite epic. So. Uh...
2: Agreed. Agreed. I think it'll be great. And. Um, yeah, but uh, so I'm glad that it was a good, fine episode. Not not
1: wonderful or great, but but a fine episode. Cool. Well, thank you very much for joining me to discuss that one. Uh, it was uh, great to talk about it with you and, and hear your views. Uh, and we'll be talking again in the new year about the final game, um, which I'm, uh, yes. I'm very much looking forward to. So we'll we'll have you back on soon uh, for that. Uh, in the meantime, where can we find you on the internet?
2: Oh, you can find me. Um... Well, you can find me on. Um, I don't have much of an internet presence. I should probably put okay. this, with these things, and uh, increase it a little bit more. But we, then we have a. No one can get to too much. But we have a. We have a private Facebook page. But I think the best thing I can say is, um, you can find me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't use much on Twitter. But I, if people have questions about that, you can find me at um, Twitter at gentlemancmm, uh, all lowercase letters, gentleman. How you spell them The letter C as in uh, cook. And then M, two Ms, as in Mary. So, Gentleman, C, M, M. And maybe I'll post more about the final game or things like that there. But um, I should probably create more of a presence on maybe a public page page on Facebook or something for the things that we're doing. But, yes.
1: Cool. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Trap1 underscore. Uh, you can like the Trap1 page on Facebook. And you can find all our previous episodes at Trap1.podbean.com. Uh thanks so much again Chris and thanks for all the co-hosts who've been on the podcast throughout series 11 so Pete, Ruth, Jason, Colin, Denise, Simon and his daughter Keith, Kate and Beth and thank you very much for listening goodbye <laughs>